0: Hello Heron. Yes, I just finished typing. Uh <laughs> I'm ready whenever you are, <laughs> but I didn't even get a chance to send it.
1: So. Very good. <laughs> Very good. So, I have a list of topics in front of me. In fact, one of my topics was already pre-predicted by Stone Atlas Lorraine, who I understand you have had a conversation with. Yes. Do you have any topics you'd like to start off with? No, I I liked hers. <laughs> So, I've watched the Russell Brand video twice. It was recommended to me by about, I don't know, maybe 20-odd people. Wow! It's really gotten like, getting a lot of play. That's good, yeah. You think, I well, I mean, obviously you've watched
0: it at least once.
1: Yes. What are
0: your thoughts? I loved it. I mean, I thought... Um... Well the only part I took exception was is when he started talking about redistributing the wealth and all that stuff. That's the sort of old left-wing bullshit that again I see the the fundamental issue is the awakening of uh, human consciousness. Yeah. That without that the rest of it's meaningless. Yeah. So redistributing wealth, taking a bunch of money from rich people and giving it to poor people, you know, 20 years later, you're going to be in the same fucking mess before if the people, if people don't wake up. So uh, I, yeah, I definitely think the present system needs to be eliminated and, and all that, but I mean it only it can only be done by enlightened people for an enlightened planet. If you're just talking about changing the systems without changing the people, it's meaningless as far as I can see. Hmm. Have you
1: had any exposure to Russell Brand's prior work?
0: No. I mean I, I'm vaguely aware. I mean he's been I've seen him on YouTube for quite some time saying Things I more or less agree with, but I never paid a lot of attention to him. I saw this thing. I don't remember. Somebody turned me on to it. And I just, I just liked his attitude. <laughs> you know, I mean, again, especially when people consistently saying, well, what do you suggest we do? Well, we don't know. That's the job is we got to figure out how to create a new world. I don't have the fucking prescription for it either. <laughs> you know, but it's clear the old system is fucked, it's had its run, it did a great job, and now it's time to move on. But again, without without a planet full of conscious people, I don't see it making, you know, I I still think that's the, the, the key, is a conscious population. Whatever we come up with then will be,
1: probably work okay. It is an interesting problem. I guess my view is that there are a number of things that I thought were I don't know. I I wasn't as positive about it as many have been. Mm -hmm. Primarily because I think you need to have a very good answer when someone says, what do you suggest we do?
0: I don't think you do. I think that's the question. What are we going to do? I don't know. I mean, there are a lot of people with a lot of ideas. The problem is nobody's talking about it. People are talking about what's on TV tonight. Uh, Well, (laughs) I disagree again. I mean, my view
1: is my view is that actually people are talking about it. I mean this is why it resonated with so many people because they it's not that anything he said was new. In fact, it's not that anything he said was particularly radical. What it was no. <laughs> was was someone saying that on the BBC. Yeah, saying it out loud uh, by somebody who's, you
0: know, a lot of people know and, yeah. and having those things said out loud. Yeah, I loved it.
1: So like I say the the Occupy movement suffered under a similar problem that basically the authoritarian news media said, well, what is your, you know, what do you, what is your alternative? Yeah. And yeah. then there was a chorus the- of voices, and, you know, what happened with Occupy happened with Occupy.
0: Well, but what happened with Occupy is a lot of people got exposed to, like he said, the 1% idea, which was... You know, it never really articulated on a mass scale before. I mean, it's, been, it's not a new idea, yeah. but uh, it it never... You know, there's a lot of ideas that are old, but, but they haven't hit the mainstream yet, you know? So seeing these ideas sort of hit the mainstream strikes me as really a good sign.
1: Yeah. Well, I guess my view is that the Occupy movement and Russell Brand and all these kind of things... A part of a narrative associated with the fact that we are all stupid and we don't actually have these ideas. We're not we
0: stupid; we're unconscious.
1: Okay, we're. Uh, <laughs> uh, let's say that we're stupidly unconscious, and I reject that. My view is that the population is not stupid, nor is it unconscious. To say that people didn't understand about the one percent prior to the Occupy movement, I actually think is offensive. It's ridiculous. Okay. I mean, okay. the, the the principle here is not that. We need figureheads to make these kind of claims. It's that we each, as individuals, need to have a better response when someone says to you, so what are you actually proposing? Here's my response, Heron. Okay. I think as a population, we need to start prosecuting our leaders for war crimes.
0: <laughs> well, there are a lot of steps to go for, yeah. That, that's, no, I think that's, 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 the,
1: that's the first thing. I think to acknowledge the fact that in Nuremberg, after the Second World War, the international community was able to come together and prosecute a small group of people for war crimes, indicates that when the population gets sufficiently fed up, there are actual terms for the behaviours that these leaders do, and it's war crimes. And if you divorce yourself from that, that, oh yes, we're just kind of complicitly involved in this thing and what have you, no, I think the extension of that emotion when articulated is actually to point to a series of documents which exist historically, which they have denied any responsibility towards in the past, well, depending on whether you look at the Nixon administration, at least the past 40 years. And there seems to be a vast divide between these appointed leaders and, you know, the general population. I think war crimes is a start. Another thing that interests me is actually I... We had a discussion maybe... 10 recordings ago, associated with the difference between royalty and elected leaders. And you said to me, as you do, why do you have any sense that democracy, like voting for these people, is any good. I never got a chance to answer that, as is the nature of our conversation. <laughs> yeah, that's happened a couple of times. <laughs> the point that I wanted to make at that point was that there are ways in which they can get out, but I actually, or that we can get them out, but I actually think the only element that I got, and it wasn't from Russell Brown's conversation, It's was actually from our conversation, you know, however many conversations ago, is actually that the entire process, there is, there is no lesser of evils here, there is just evil. So when you come to this realization, when you start acknowledging the fact that you, by inaction, are complicit in things which are, you know,
0: yeah. I pay my taxes. Exactly. <laughs> you know, yeah, yeah, they
1: go to those drones, and you know, those people That's in Pakistan right. yeah. get sorted out. That's home. right. Yeah,
0: anyone who pays their taxes is, um, you know, a criminal. Yes, <laughs> in that
1: sense. Yes. Do you understand the phenomena of double tap drone strikes now? I came to this. What point, is it? double tap? Which is i no, a- I'm assuming they're sending two then for one job. So or- the first, the first, <laughs> there was this phenomena associated with. Um, terrorist bombings. You, um, oh, yeah. I know what you're talking
0: about. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they have two. One yes. blows up five minutes later when all the people are there to help. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And that's so now doing the same with drones. Huh? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That's perfectly reasonable. Yes.
1: So, I mean, Damn
0: right. I th- if you're going to kill them
1: then kill the assholes who are coming to help them. <laughs> yes. Because human compassion is just the kind of thing that you want to be destroying. Well, anyway. again, if you're,
0: that's the whole point. That's why the game needs to be a mind changer, not yeah. changing the systems. You put the same old people even in new systems and they're going to fuck it up.
1: So I, my wife, my spiritual advisor and I went to a remote part of California. We didn't get into Yosemite because the government was still shut down. But we <laughs> got to the edge of Yosemite and we actually found a very curious place to find a cabin. We were on a golf course, a completely deserted golf course, (laughs) but there was a cabin there and it was the nearest cabin within, I don't know, however many miles of the edge of Yosemite. So we sat down, we originally booked, uh, we originally booked what we thought was going to be the cabin, but in fact was just a room of the cabin. And for $20 more, we got the cabin. So paid the $20 more. We sat there in almost silence for about. Five or six hours just thinking and reading. Mm. And then we started on this conversation associated with the project of exposing these ideas to people who are in their late teens and early 20s. Mm-hmm. And I said to my wife that I felt if there was ever a group, I know you, you talk about aiming earlier, you talk about aiming 13 through to 16. Yeah. But my view is that actually it's the, it's the application of the both dismay and anger of actually emerging. Because I mean, this whole narrative associated with education, particularly you know, high school and what have you, is that you will emerge from this and you will be an adult. And when you actually <laughs> leave this environment, this is the narrative here, when you leave this environment, you have this yeah. sickening sense of disgust that you have been really heavily lied to. A 13-year-old to a 16-year-old may not get that, but someone who is entering their, you know, yeah. late teens, early 20s yeah, yeah, is their the prime yeah. target. Yeah, I agree. But, yeah. Anyway, so I said to my yeah. wife, I said to my wife, the intellectual movement that I'm looking to create Is a replacement of militarism because you have all this negative emotion, you have all this energy, all this frustration and anger, and people are. This is utilised by the military to kind of pick these people up. And marketing too, and well, marketing as well. (laughs) But I mean, and she said, "So what replaces it?" And I said, "You give them a few basic, you know, pieces of advice. You do some mentoring." And she said, "But what sustains them? I, how, how do they get money?" And I said. You can do it on your own. The narrative of the military is very much a narrative of hopelessness, that this is the only option that you have, you know, is to join yeah. the military. So you'll join the military. Yeah. And my view is that actually the antithesis of that is the case, that you are in fact focusing yourself on no options in that process. And the the possibility, I mean, when you look at the successes that have occurred in Both, you know, intellectual, pharmacological, technological development. They've all been people of this age group that have basically become focused in their energies on something that is ultimately long-term productive and doesn't require any of this additional, you know, baggage and nonsense. So anyway, through this process, a large part of what I see in this is a kind of strong thought through counter narrative which goes against all the established kind of descriptors that you get given through, you know, what Russell Brand was up against in this other fellow, Paxton. But the interesting thing through this is that I've, I've been exposed to periodically things that Russell Brand has done, either his comedy events, his commercial success points, basically. Yeah, I, I know. I,
0: I know. He's in a movie that's just come out, apparently. Yeah, I've watched and, a couple and, of and his. And I think he's yeah. already he's a he's a comedian primarily. I've watched it? a
1: couple of his stand ups, and yeah, his okay. stand ups yeah. fall very basically into kind of large portions of it are irony and bodily fluids humor. <laughs> <laughs> well, like I say I know nothing about it. Yeah, no, I've, it's I've interesting seen, actually yeah. because yeah. in in the skill that he has speaking. A large portion of it is through his stand up where he moves very swiftly from, you know, bodily fluids to irony, back to bodily fluids to drug addiction to bodily fluids Mm -hmm. to, and it is an interesting process because you watch it and he isn't as, he could be a lot more filthy, which I think was ultimately my frustration. I mean, my joy, particularly in English comedy, is just the raw, filthy aspect of it to a certain extent. <laughs> There's a whole lot of comedy that I actually don't understand because it's regional comedy in the UK. that yeah. makes virtually no sense to me. But Russell Brand has been able to translate, and he also married a, a pop singer, Katy Perry, for maybe three or four years. So that was part of his comedy shtick as well when he was married to her. I think he's an interesting character. I'm interested to see what people actually do in response to this, aside from just posting it to a bunch. Well, of Well, I'm surprised
0: friends. that so many people are responding to this thing. Uh, that sort of surprises me, actually. Uh, how many? Yeah.
1: Well, a small fraction of them, which I think is the thing that I've taken away from probably the past couple of weeks in kind of popular culture and in inverted commerce, is only a small fraction of them went to this Julian Assange movie that came out, yeah, which is now, I think, in the annals of complete flop. I mean, when you make 3 to 5% back on a movie that you've made, that really is, you know, astonishing. I mean, it's astonishing, firstly, that <laughs> either this narrative is past or people are listening to Assange or the whole notion that there was a substantial intellectual fan base to this thing. I don't know which way to, to approach yeah,
0: it. Yeah, I still, I guess you and I have a lower opinion of the general American populace than you do, but you hang around a, a very different group of people than I see day to day.
1: Oh, look, my view is that Middle America is very real. I mean, I, I've, in the past I've Re- Real? What the hell does that mean? It means that they exist in their their carbon form is there. I don't even know what that means.
0: I would say they're a bunch of unconscious language monkeys. But
1: they, I would say, yes. Look, my view is that actually it's true, and I've been relatively utop- utopian associated with my view of the you know broader U.S. populace. And I went to Michigan. I've had various experiences associated with Middle America, and the interesting thing is, well, Middle America is right here in Orange County. True. But there's a slightly higher density of them in the actual middle of America.
0: Maybe. I don't know if that's true or not.
1: Yeah. You I, rarely, mean, I, I really you, don't. You, you rarely my, leave your area, though.
0: No. I, yeah, I don't. No, but I've, I have in the past. You know, I mean, and of course, there are regional differences. All I really can speak about is South California. Mm you know in in movies and television and mass media and the internet and all that stuff but but my experience you know firsthand is south california yeah and, and here i'd say probably 95% of people are basically unconscious language monkeys yes. whether they're cultured educated intelligent nice that those are separate issues they're still pretty much unconscious language monkeys who are operating basically under the spell of their language machine. They may have top master programming or bottom slave programming,
1: but they're all a bunch of programmed language monkeys. So speaking of programming, I've been watching at a distance associated with... I guess the notion is what I do in my day-to-day life, what I do with NobleApe, it's all about code. It's about programming. It's about computer programming. And I've watched at afar associated with this whole federal government healthcare website thing. And I've realized that actually the broader community, but more importantly, the hyper language monkeys that exist in Washington really have just either they never, either they never went to college or there's just something really missing in the broader general narrative associated with what computers and software are. <laughs> it, the, Welcome to Earth. The interesting thing is actually, I mean, through the community that I talk to with model rail radio, um, a number of them are men between your age and my age who, through their college education, did computer programming. So at least they have the basic language to start describing. Yeah, I think what it's just sort of does.
0: magic. Yeah, I think most people just, uh, you know, just don't really think about it. You know, there, there's something goes on, you know, and but uh, they have no. Re- well, people are v- just really uneducated in science in general, and yeah. the whole idea of causality and the way things happen in the world. People don't have any kind of integrated sense of that.
1: The thing that always disgusts me is when people are presented as experts, particularly experts associated with technology, because it's my own particular shtick. And they clearly are either (laughs) extremely corrupt or they are just downright stupid. I mean, yeah, but they, but
0: they, but they can, they can write on a blog in a way that basically unconscious language monkeys like.
1: No, this, this is actually more about long-term corrupt practices associated with how these contracts are given to companies. I don't actually think it's got anything to do. These people are all behind the scenes people. They're not people that are normally dusted off and presented to the general public. However, they've made, I mean, this company that, that contracted is a multi-billion dollar company that I've never heard of. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was looking them up on Wikipedia and they've been doing this since the year I was born, which <laughs> seems amazing. Yeah. I yeah. mean, they've worked on these in theory quite complicated systems and the interesting statistic is 91% which every every government contract over i think it was 20 million dollars has a 91% chance of gross failure. <laughs> I
2: mean this is absolutely astonishing.
1: It really is. It's beyond yeah. yeah. It's beyond yeah. shocking. It's actually yeah. just no it's, it's
0: called normal. <laughs> That's 91%. You just didn't know that.
1: The thing is, that that's I'm, just business as usual. I mean, I, look, the company I work for is relatively lean in terms of engineering staff, and our responsibility is to get vastly cons- complex systems to work together. As has recently yeah. become public knowledge, you know, tens of millions of people use these systems on a daily basis or a weekly basis. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, it's an amazing system, yeah.
1: and they work relatively pretty flawlessly. well. Yeah, yeah. 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 they had a problem associated with less than a million people accessing this website and it really is disturbing to me because for a start our uh, our illustrious president made a comparison between Apple computer and I know a lot of people at work in the fruit factory and what was going on with the this corrupt debacle and it just astonishes me that there is just a complete disconnect between these corrupt in the shadows corporations that seem to charge, you know, tens if not hundreds if not of millions or billions of dollars to do these (laughs) insane projects that they have no technical expertise with regards to. I know. But is that really anything
0: different than what's been going on for, like, ever? The one thing is like... I mean, people build cathedrals and they fall down on kill everybody inside. (laughs) Well... You know, I mean, I mean that's beginning to change, but I mean, uh, uh, frauds and people claiming more than they actually can do—that seems to me pretty standard human operating behavior. So I have two thoughts
1: here, Heron. The first is that they should have gotten the NSA to write the healthcare website because the NSA clearly, allegedly, has amazing abilities to track each and every one of us. and Why not just make healthcare? Just one of the fields, you know? They've got all our emails and other things. Why don't they just do healthcare information as well?
0: No, nah, but that's a different style. Probably, Probably they couldn't do that they're good mm. they're good at it siphoning information off not organizing it and making it useful uh, what, for other people do,
1: i mean the the you know the secret agent what have you is the cia and what have you well, well yeah, maybe, yeah. yeah. So that's why i don't worry so much about them
0: you know is because, because i totally i think they're stupid. yeah yes. they're a bunch of language monkeys too <laughs> you yes. know, and and they may have all this information, but they can't control anything. They can't even control their own nervous systems. Yes,
1: yes. <laughs> anyway, so yes, I've been watching in somewhat, uh, in a somewhat bemused state with regards to all of this.
0: <laughs> that seems about the appropriate response. Bemused. That's a good way of saying it. Yeah, you look around and. It's um well, It's amusing, yeah, amusing too. As long as you know, it's not your leg in the grinder. But uh.
1: mm-hmm. it's all about legs in the grinder, Heron. It's all about yeah. legs in the grinder. How's your wine glass looking?
0: Oh, you know, it's just just dry. It's just okay. there without anything in it. It, well, it looks add, add some looks only. Okay, I'll be right back. <laughs> so you're you're trying to get me drunk so we can get to the good parts, right? Something like that. Okay. All right. Good. You, well, you never get quite drunk enough. That's always the problem, Aaron. Yeah. Well, this. Yeah, I don't. You're right. I need to send you brandy or something. I mean, this is. <laughs> oh best. Jesus, that would be. <laughs> yeah. Just strike more. Drunk for you know? I mean, I have been rip roaring drunk. It's, it's, four sort of fun. <laughs> it's four and a half hours. It's four and a half long actually. hours.
1: Oh my goodness!
0: Yeah. Yes. No, but sipping wine—I mean, I've had what? I guess maybe five or six glasses. I mean, that one night when you you tried to—I think
1: you got eight. You know, that night. Was it
0: that eight? Yeah. But I was—you know—I didn't feel that. I mean, I mean, I could feel it, but you know, I mean, I didn't have a hangover or anything the next day. I didn't feel bad. The room wasn't spinning around or anything, (laughs) you know. I have—I have gone to bed with the room spinning around. That's no fun. Have you ever had that experience? When I was
1: in, um, I was in, I think Langkawi, which is an island off the coast of Malaysia. And I was sitting on the beach, just looking <laughs> out over the sea with watching the boats because they had lights on the boats. And I was kind of picked up from behind by this little Malay guy. He said, Come drinking with us, come drinking with us. And I thought, well, why not? So uh, we wandered over to this beer shack. Now I've got to point out that beer is remarkably cheap in Malaysia anyway, but in Langkawi it's like five cents a can. I mean, it's just insane. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, the thing about it is, I mean, prior to prior to not drinking, I haven't drunk since two thousand and three, aside from occasional cough syrup. But the I was a relatively heavy drinker, and I'm tall and, you know, relatively solid, and alcohol never... I mean, one of the reasons I stopped drinking was alcohol stopped having a meaningful effect on me.
2: Yeah, yeah, like a a waste of
1: money. Exactly, a (laughs) volume of alcohol. So, anyway, we started drinking, and we must have been drinking for about, I don't know, five hours, and this is literally... They had a pit... (laughs) <laughs> they had beer coming on one side and then they had a pit which you all kind of gathered around as men and pissed into the pit and then went back <laughs> to drinking beer and then back to the pit and then drinking beer in the pit uh, and yes. after about five hours of this the guy just collapsed he'd passed out he fell off his chair <laughs> and I was yep. sitting there and I would have been one of the only people still up <laughs> and this was a group of maybe 50 or 60 people yeah, everyone else was passed out. And I was just like, well, this is no fun. So anyway, <laughs> then I walked back to my hut. It literally was a hut on the beach. Yeah. And um, the room was spinning a little bit. I think that's probably, I used to drink uh, bourbon. In fact, when I drank bourbon, we'd have bourbon at the end of the night. We'd start drinking at about, I don't know, midday, maybe sometimes even earlier. And we keep drinking through the <laughs> midnight. This is a Friday. This is what yeah. Australia's like working in a company on a Friday. We'd start drinking like that. And those times, yes, I I certainly would feel the room spinning. The next day in, in Langkawi, however, I went up swimming and I swam across to an island and I was stung by a jellyfish. And I got back to the beach and I went into one of these hotels, which was around the island, and got some antihistamine. So when this fellow, again, I was sitting on the beach at the same time, picked me up, I said, actually, not tonight, I've had an antihistamine, I'll have an early one, you guys go and have fun. And, yeah, I never saw him again. I don't know where the story comes from. But, yes, I have heard heavy drinking.
0: Experiences <laughs> well. well, anyway, spinning the spinning room phenomenon is kind of interesting because that's sort of psychedelic. Experience. I mean, again, it's, it's clearly not happening. I mean, that disjunction between what you – at least what you know, what you think you know is really happening and what you're feeling is happening. Mm. I mean, that's an interesting – I mean, that's a valuable experience, I think. Because it draws a line very clearly about perception and all sorts of things.
1: Well, a near psychedelic experience that I continue to have, and basically currently because we, I have a vast quantity of chilies yet to eat. But I mean, this evening, in fact, for our prior two conversations, I've had a bowl of soup with typically five to eight Thai chilies, like really hot Thai chilies in it prior to talking to you i think you can get some amazing experiences just through you know what's it called capsicum or capsiconoid or whatever um which are you know it's not that the room spins but your you know your vision gets dilated and it feels like your heart rate is slowing and all these other kinds of effects and
0: i yeah i think we've been taught to sort of Ordinary eyes, if that's going to be the word, mm. you know, uh, experiences that, that are actually outside of our normal realm of stuff, but they're not quite so dramatic that they demand, you, you know, you know, but I mean, we, we sort of invent this idea of normal reality, mm. you know, when it's really just, again, an idea that we've got in our head. We take all this sense data in and we say, oh yeah, uh, yeah, that's that, you know, yeah, that. Mm. Oh yeah, I know that. And so psychedelics
1: or the room spinning call that into question. It's interesting actually because I, I mean, I've never had, aside from meditative, I've never had a um, chemical induced like psychedelic experience. Mm -hmm. And it's something that I periodically go back to in my reading. Associated with you know the chemistry that causes these kind of things,
0: but it's all well at least the chemistry that's related to
1: these sort of things.
0: What? The causal relationship, maybe so, maybe not. We don't.
1: Really it's interesting know. because I I feel very self empowered currently. Associated with you know my ability to do a variety of things, be it you know reach a number of people through talking or you know potentially. You know, fabricate firearms with drills and all these kind of things. And when I go back to reading, because I did chemistry, I mean, I did chemistry to a high level. I mean, my thought was that I might even do it at university. So I understand the chemistry yeah. associated with this. But the movement to actual manufacture requires a degree of knowledge that is just outside my abilities. I mean, there are a variety of plants and what have you. But yeah, it is an interesting process. Yeah, that's
0: a deep, uh, a deep scientific. Issue, Mm. you know, is, is really understanding these chemicals and their plant sources and what chemicals work. You know, it amazes me that, that these people in the Amazon jungle, I mean, the, the whole thing with ayahuasca and the MAO inhibitors. Yes. That, that the ayahuasca by itself is, doesn't work. You know, you have to take, you know, and, and how, how did they ever figure that shit out? I
2: guess my view is (laughs) that if
0: you live in, if you live in the jungle,
1: and this is your life. I mean. Yeah, I guess you try every goddamn
0: exactly. thing under the sun. Yeah. And, uh, and, and if, and maybe over generations, over a long period of time, the evidence accumulates that, hey, if you do it this way, yeah. <laughs> this is rather interesting. I mean, it's,
1: it's interesting <laughs> because as, as we regularly return to the whole nature of the workaday world is so far against. Going and trying every kind of plant that you have in your vicinity, (laughs) that we forget that actually that's the way Homo sapiens are supposed to behave. Yeah, right, yeah. That's what babies do, they stick everything in their mouth. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. People with oral fixations continue to do this for the remainder of their lives, but yes, exactly. It is an interesting, it is an interesting thing considering I mean, I've been listening to um McKenna periodically. I've listened to him in, in greater and lesser doses. He's a strong advocate, and I need to buy his book associated with this, of people just cultivating psychedelic mushrooms without oh, yes. actually having any connection to them. He argues yeah, that uh, you yeah, create I know, yeah. a space yeah. where you can naturally yeah. cultivate these mushrooms without having... Going and looking for them, basically.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes a lot of sense that if you go to the trouble and put the intention and the effort and the consciousness into learning what you need to do Mm. to do that, uh, you're a different person. And and that's going to change the nature of, of the whole process.
1: I think his argument is in almost all parts of the world, there are spore cultures that will produce psychedelic mushrooms. And that basically you can create the ideal. I mean, part of it is also Rupert Sheldrake, I think, and Rupert Sheldrake's influence on McKenna associated uh-huh. with the notion that, you know, we have all these yeah. forces all over the world that yeah. we can harness. Morphogenetic exactly. fields. Yes. we create more a morphogenetic field around a particular, you know, agar and the mushrooms will come yeah. to you. Yeah, you know? I
0: don't know how much. It's an interesting idea, but, well, anyway, it doesn't mean a difference. Yeah. yeah, go
1: ahead. So, I mean, I know, I just, I, it's. It strikes me as rather an interesting hypothesis to experiment with, given the time and energy. I probably yeah. just need to buy his book, read through uh, it, get a sense Are you talking about Sheldrake or No, McKenna? no. M- McKenna and his brother, under pseudonyms, as you noted maybe three yeah. or four recordings ago, wrote a yeah. book associated with how you create oh, a the mushroom sanctuary. Thing. Yes. Oh, okay, yeah. Right. Where, where the mushroom will come to you. Yeah. It's an interesting hypothesis, and certainly, you know, <laughs> yeah. given a certain amount of time, I think one could probably experiment in those slides.
0: Well, that's the whole point: is the the, the 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 very idea of reality is just an idea. You know, what's really possible? Who knows? We don't know, really. We've got a bunch of ideas, a bunch of theories, a bunch of language that we take. F- or the Bible or something. And a lot of it's pretty good. There's no question that science has been a powerful thing. But it's still just a bunch of ideas. What other kinds of ideas might we be able to
1: come up with?
0: <laughs> Who knows?
1: So Joe the Drummer offered a question. Oh, Joe. Hi, Joe. <laughs> Maybe five or six recordings ago, he's probably stopped listening and disgust. <laughs> but if he is still listening... He sent me an email and asked me why the Holocaust had particular reverence in my own thinking and my own discussion. And I don't think we've ever really talked about this to any greater extent. No, I don't believe we have. But the Holocaust had a substantial... It's interesting because it's this whole notion of kind of narrative programming. Not necessarily from my father's... Parents, But certainly through my father, both explicitly and implicitly, the uh, visual, I don't know how one would describe it, associated with the Holocaust primarily. My spiritual advisor, when we lived in the UK, played an experiment with me. I was her live human test subject for this experiment, where she woke me up by shining a torch into my face. And for those um for uh, That would be a flashlight in America. Yes. Okay, thank you. Not a burning torch. <laughs> this is i um, probably a, a a Marie Camacho and boyfriend. It, people that are couples should try this experiment on your partner. <laughs> because apparently and my wife has confirmed this, it is a very fast fear engagement because it's completely removed from you know, general sensory experience.
0: Well, and plus we've seen this in the movies a thousand times. My so we've reaction we've already got an idea built in. This is bad news.
1: Yeah, my my reaction, and I don't actually remember doing this, but the account is so vivid that uh, she, you know, recounts this somewhat frequently, was just to start whimpering and to curl up in a ball. <laughs> Well, it may depend on the individual, too. Other people may come up swinging. No, this is the thing. This is the interesting thing. The only way I could describe it to her after the fact was this programming associated with the Holocaust. That they were always going to be coming for Mm. you, basically. Yeah. No matter where you were, they would always be coming for you. And when they got you, they would kill you. (laughs) And there's nothing you can do about it. That's just... Yeah. That's just the way well, it is. That's not it. a very productive story, is it? <laughs> well, it's interesting actually because I think it has it has framed a large portion of my life, quite implicitly, uh-huh. you know. Really? The nature of escape and escape from bad situations and organized escape. And yeah, the there is no going...
0: escape. Man, you're going to die. That's it. Probably miserably. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Get over it. Yes. <laughs> It's really, the only thing that counts is what it's like when you're alive, dying. When, and dying, dying is important. Dead is irrelevant. It but is an interesting film. Di- but dying is really important. We had, a, we had a party at
1: work today, a substantial party with food trucks and, you know, movie star speakers and things like that. And I spent about an hour and a half in these lines for the food truck. Now, in, in these kind of situations, like I have a team that I work with. But in these situations, particularly because the majority of my team are vegetarians, if I'm going to be queuing for food, I'm going to do it independently. And I think my team were rather set back that, you know, after picking up... You were
0: in a different line than they were.
1: Well, no, no, that after picking up the swag, I just disappeared because I was on, like, survival, must find food, must do it quickly mode. Yeah. And they were on (laughs) let's sit around and have a conversation associated with... uh, you know, various vegetables. Yeah, And right. so I, I kind of disappeared quickly. Different stories, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but I found myself in a line where the people behind me were talking about how they'd actively looked for software engineers that had been stalked. And they recounted the story of one engineer who had been stalked for a period of time and had put various kind of restraining orders on the person uh, until, you know, eventually this this problem was solved, they moved away basically yeah. to avoid this person yeah. and I thought to myself this is not the situation, because I didn't know the people in question behind me where you turn around and you tell your own stalking story, this is not a we are all brothers in our stalking experience" kind of thing
0: <laughs> because they made the Well, point. it depends on the situation, there may be a time when that would be appropriate
1: Well, this Dep- is interesting, I yeah. was reflecting on this because I thought to myself that Aside from my own stalking experience, the other stalking experience that has had a really strong effect on me is a fellow who I knew in Adelaide. I was working on the early phases of Noble Ape, and I would go to Adelaide uh, periodically. And one of the teams that I worked with in Adelaide was called Insect. Um, and it was a group of maybe five people, including a fellow who I was distantly related to, that lived in a kind of loft warehouse in the centre of Adelaide. And one of them was called Joe Berger. And I, you know, talked to Joe Berger. He had a, a job in the city. He'd walked the same route. In fact, I walked with him to his job one day and we were talking, what have you. Um A few years later, I found out that his girlfriend's ex-boyfriend had stalked him along this walk to work as I had walked with him and uh, hacked him up with a machete. Oh, Jesus Christ. Killed him, right? Yeah. yeah, it had a really profound effect on everyone that knew him. They all left Australia yeah, yes. for a start because they didn't want to have any like kind of cognitive... In fact, the ma- majority <laughs> of them have stayed away. A couple of them have gone back, but a majority of them are still you know, in Europe and what have you from this experience. <laughs> oh, man. So it does strike uh-huh. me that, you know, in the last few minutes or seconds can be pretty... Interesting. Yeah. yeah, pretty interesting. You're right.
0: Well, luckily, I mean, there's a lot of evidence to suggest that you, you go into shock relatively quickly and the endorphins kick in.
1: Yeah, I've had that experience happen just you know, yeah.
0: And, and my and I and feel stuff. pretty comfortable with that. I, I've had a couple of experience. I've had, you know, a couple of sort of close to death experiences. Yeah, you,
1: you told me the Pacific yeah, Coast Highway yeah, Breaks right.
0: failing story. Yeah, and but, yeah. anyway, at at some point uh, you know, the, it it's just
1: uh, it's not a problem. But if you're being <laughs> I mean, my view is that all that sounds well and good. Yeah, when you're being I, hacked to death exactly. with a machete, yeah. that's a, that's exactly the kind of experience. Well, in the you beginning, you I would down. think. It,
0: yeah, I agree. In the beginning, it's probably horrific, but I, I think by I, I'm, I'm just guessing. You know that at at some point it becomes more interesting than horrific.
1: Yes, like amazing. I hope the so. The was glad that I had yeah, excruci- yeah, at this yeah. time.
0: Or, or this is it. I better start paying attention.
1: Yeah, do you really think that that's the final thought, though? Well, I don't
0: know. I mean, who knows? Nobody knows that. I mean, that's exactly one of the things we just don't know, isn't it? Yes. (laughs) But but we're bound... And, of course, what you may have and what I may experience may be entirely different, you know? Even in the same situation, two people burning to death in the Koresh compound may have very different... You know, who's to say? Who knows?
1: All, All I can do is is think about myself. It's interesting you mentioned the Koresh compound because I do reflect very heavily on those kind of circumstances because I, I guess I'm naturally inclined. One of the things that this time away taught both my spiritual advisor and myself was that it's really, really, really quiet and there is no one around you for miles in the kind of environments that I talk positively about. We passed maybe half a dozen, no, probably more than that, maybe maybe 20 Farms, small farms, apples, olives, um, various, I think we, um, artichokes, these kind of plants that they were growing en masse. Apples, did I say apples? Maybe I said apples. And yeah. the, these farms were really just exactly what I've been looking for in terms of this is the way that, you know, I want to live out the end of my life. Come nighttime, we would go out and just listen to, you know, the crickets <laughs> and what have yeah. you. I yeah. realised that we were really... Because the funny thing about this, this golf course was really quite strange. There was a large lake, which was huge, and um really, like, probably 10, maybe 15 miles long, like, really quite yeah, a substantial a, yeah, lake. A lake. Yeah, big lake. And um, all those houses were clearly unoccupied because people, I guess, some are there or just go up for the weekend. We were there from Saturday, so we did see some people through to Monday night. Monday night, in fact, Sunday night, um, it was quiet. Monday night was just eerie. I mean, yeah. you were just literally, and we started, we, the first couple of nights, we really enjoyed it. By Monday night, it was like,
0: we really
1: are alone here.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know? Well, I did a lot of backpacking by myself, actually. Mm-hmm. So I've, um, yeah, I know that, that feeling. I love that shit. That's just, yeah, yeah.
1: There's a lot of land out there, Heron.
0: Well, you know, that's one of the encouraging things. You know, we talk about overpopulation and everything, and yet still much of the planet is really pristine in its natural state, you know, or with just minimal human overlay. Mm. So much of it, you know, I mean, God, just California. I mean, one of the most populous states has got all this beautiful territory to go explore. Mm.
1: Yeah, the contrast between the farmland and the Sierras, which I must have seen. On train, I think I probably had seen on train was something that I'd forgotten about. That you would get literally within, you know, a couple of miles of each other, you'd go from quite rich farmland to really rocky, like you know, the early Sierras, basically.
0: Well, that's the way it is. Yeah, you got the valleys uh, where all the soil erodes down into the valleys, which gives nice fertile soil,
1: and uh, and then Rocky Mountains on both sides. (laughs) Yes. Anyway, so I contemplated what life would be like actually living out on a farm. And these kind of environments... I mean,
0: a farm you mean where you actually have to work and keep the farm going? Or you just mean living out there, well, retire?
1: Well, a little of column A, a little of column B. I mean, I do like to grow stuff, and I like okay, to grow so stuff you can yeah, but you
0: do that anywhere. You can grow your yeah, own... sure true. You have a big garden. True. You just have a cabin up in the woods in a nice in a place that's got some soil that'll
1: work. Yeah, know. I mean, we we looked at a property a couple... And this is within San Jose, <laughs> you know, city limits... Where we could easily have had a garden that we would have more than enough food for a year in. It was basically... Oh, yeah. yeah. The it house doesn't take that much. The house was relatively yeah. small, but the garden was substantial. Yeah. And it's interesting, actually, because it backed onto... I think an apartment complex, and the guy on the other side was like a <laughs> rabid junk collector with an overgrown yeah. tree, and the other guy <laughs> looked like a Republican who was helping his son Yeah, a firing range. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. You know, they we're oiling their guns <laughs> in the sh- in the shed. Um. And I thought, hmm. Oh, I can imagine having a garden, but you know, I am still surrounded on on all sides. But, yeah, it's an interesting phenomenon because when you see. I think we, You see yourself, I'm I'm curious, you see yourself as at some point disengaging from society entirely. It's hard to say. I mean, it's hard to say whether I would completely disengage from society. I mean, I've certainly, even my experience out in the middle of nowhere, you know, where you have to, you know, walk however many miles to, you know, get to a major road or a bus or what have you they still mysteriously had the internet or dial-up connections, you know, that got them to the internet. They could do email in and out. And my view is actually that it's more about understanding your own kind of comfort level, although, truth be told, to have to walk, you know, half a mile in order to get information and then walk back to another place would certainly lend itself very heavily to the kind of lifestyle that I'd want to be, you know, living in the future. I think walking is really central to it though i've been doing a lot more walking <laughs> in the past couple of weeks and i really i've missed it it's good time actually well, especially
0: if you got a nice place to walk <laughs> you
1: know, yeah. up in the mountains on yeah. a nice path yeah that, yeah. Uh, yeah i mean i walk over a highway and through some swamp land to do my walking but it's still yeah it still no, it's still fine sufficiently
0: yeah. oh yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah it's nice to have a place where you can do that. It's sort of wasted around where I live, unfortunately. Yeah, I, I I think about where I'd like to live in the future because my sense is my future is going to be on the internet
1: in that sense, so it doesn't really make a difference where I live. So here's a phenomena for you, Heron, and this is something that really we've both been relatively stupid with regards to, but I do <laughs> want to put it out there. So there is a phenomena and this, of course, is advertising the worst possible things through YouTube, but there is a phenomena that if you have so, for example, the the fellow I'm talking to, Marty Fisher in Missouri, has 500 subscribers to one of his channels, and he makes about $30 a month through YouTube clips, and it scales. So people with, I don't know, my wife was telling me these statistics, people with like 3 million subscribers yeah. make, you know, 250, 300,000 a year. Really? So, there's some calm distance. And the thing about And And how
0: are they making this money? Google Ads. YouTube Ads. Okay. Oh, okay. So, it's just about putting ads on your page. No, it's it, not. Maybe... Google will do that for you. You've seen... No, I know that. But, I mean, uh, but it's allow. I mean, because the alternative is to just have them there with no ads. Yes. You know, just there. But the ads really make that much difference. Apparently so. If you've, if you've got enough, enough viewers. Yeah.
1: Obviously, it's just about numbers. So... I mean, I was talking to Marty about if he invested three hours a day and recorded posts in response to popular programs, popular whatever, YouTube bits, then you could gather very quickly, both through initial views and through subscribers, probably a couple of hundred thousand viewers, which would net you, I mean, where he's living, probably more money than his parents make. So, I mean, well, my, yeah. my, my view That's is
0: interesting, yeah. I am hmm. gone. But, right.
1: You know, and the, the terrible part about it is that you probably have to become a talking head, which is my natural Well, I, I'd have
0: of to become a, I have to write a script for a
1: character. Which you then need to add lib in some form.
0: Yeah, yeah, but I mean, I, I need to get a real clear. I mean, there it has to be a clear image in the eye of the viewers. Yes, you know, of, so they can identify. Oh, yeah, that guy. Exactly. <laughs> you know? yeah. Well, probably I'm
1: the language guy or something like that. Yeah. Uh, but it makes me. It makes me think that all this working is just for schmucks. If all you need to do is actually work out, and I've been able. I mean, truth be told, if I got the, if I got the viewership or the listenership of Model Rail Radio to all subscribe to a YouTube channel, I mean, it would require all of them, which is the difficulty.
0: Yeah. But it would still
1: be reasonable money.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, it's a new world, isn't it? (laughs) New possibilities showing up every day.
1: The thing that it requires is commitment. It requires drive and commitment, and it requires basically allocating, as I've been doing with No Blake for... And it requires an audience. Well, my view is actually that the audience is part of the formulaic process. You should concern yourself less with gathering the audience than with actually putting in the time to record the clips, to put the clips up No, you're right, yeah, because the audience is there, it's just,
0: they gotta find it.
1: There's a fraction which I attribute to things like The Simpsons, for example, on television where maybe one in every five episodes can be really good, two or three can be mediocre, and you know, maybe a couple are okay. And I think there's that kind of formula where you don't have to aim for perfection in your content; you just need to aim for frequency.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're right. It needs to be it needs to be a commitment. You're right. You have yeah. to do it yeah. and and make it and put it out. there. Well, that's what I'm learning about this year, you know, in the in some sense, is just how do I move into this this new world out here? And um, I mean, the
1: these thing that's yeah. made me realize is that podcasting is for schmucks. I've invested six, seven years into cultivating these audiences. How can
0: you say that? You've you've made connections. You've met people. You've had some influence in the world. And now it's time to move on to become even more effective.
1: Yes. It is interesting, actually, because I... I
0: love my podcasting time. It's It's been really important to me. Well, you've kind of
1: stopped it, haven't you, Heron?
0: Um, well, it was never about podcasting. It was about having the conversations. Yeah. <laughs> i'm still having conversations i'm just too lazy to edit them
1: yeah some other <laughs> schmuck does
0: that for you eh? yeah yeah i don't Well, no they don't well for for this part of it yes thank
1: you it's just for all the remainder <laughs> that they don't yeah i've
0: got now almost a hundred recordings
1: sitting yeah, there I, I believe it believe <laughs> me the, the funny thing is actually that um some of those have been with people who I mean, you know, people like Peter Stimple or Lorraine yeah, or all these
0: Yeah, come here through this yeah, stuff. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. And having, I can't recall who it was. Oh, you were talking to Joe the Drummer. That's right. Yeah. And I listened to it and I thought, this is clearly a Heronstone Gendo recording. It is not something that would fit into the Ape format.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean,
1: yeah. Well, that's your call. I, I You know... <laughs> That's not my call. (laughs) Yeah, I'm actually interested in listening to some of them, though. I mean, I'm interested. I don't really get a sense of... I mean, Lorraine is interesting because she uses a pseudonym on Facebook. She has a series of photographs of, like, small vegetables and parts of cats. And, you know, from this, (laughs) I'm supposed to gauge who she is as an entity. No,
0: you can't. You have to interact with her to find out who she is. Apparently so. Yes. Yeah. Uh, Anything on Facebook is a lie. Yes, A lion, some oh, cases, well constructed lines. Oh, well, in lion. some cases, in most of our cases, yes, we're very careful in how we craft our image.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, speaking of crafting an image, you, you may not remember this as, as you'll want to do. You're right, I probably won't. <laughs> but, um, uh, through our last recording towards the end, you realized, and this, the thing that struck me about it is that this is, although he's not currently doing it and he hasn't been for, for this recording. But the cat meowing in the background, <laughs> you can go back to when I was in Vegas, and for a substantial portion of our recordings, there's this kind of a mewing drone going on. Uh-huh. I'm surprised that you you found, aside from the fact that it was kind of comedic brilliance, that particular point to start cussing out my cat.
0: Oh, it, no, it didn't. It was just a game. I was just having fun. That's yeah. all. So about a- No, I mean I was aware of it. It didn't bother No, it it I, I certainly was aware of it, but it didn't bother me. Yes.
1: Yeah. It's a bit like you're lighting your medicinal marijuana. I mean, it's just something that goes into the show, you know. It's an interesting
2: <laughs> Well, phenomenon. no,
1: it's
0: just you and me sitting here talking and doing what we do. Yes. And that's what I did then.
1: And so- like sometimes I just feel like a nut. About a week following, I was I was sitting in the same chair, actually, as we were when we were recording, and I am now. And I looked to the corner, because this is right by the entryway, and the cat was having a seizure. Mm. And I realized very quickly that my wife had observed him having a seizure earlier, but just thought he was playing. Mm, So we took the cat to the vet, and they gave the cat a valium, which I didn't realize was actually primarily used for treating seizures. He was a very different cat on Valium. It was very strange, actually, because Mm. he's normally very social, and he was kind of trying to be social, but it was like he was kind of, you know, really quite stoned, you know, like he was drunk, kind of stoned in in equal measure, basically. And now he's on an anti-seizure medication that we need to give to him daily, and he's pretty well back to normal. But it strikes me that this, we talk about, you know, being hacked to death, that perhaps involuntary seizure might be an interesting Means of thinking about you know the the potential end of things as well. Well, there's so many possibilities.
0: Yes. I've got this movie I downloaded, you know, called the, "What the ABCs of Death." Mm-hmm. Have, have you heard of that movie? No, I haven't. Oh, anyway, it's they got 26 different directors and they each did like two minutes, <laughs> you know, on death. Yes. <laughs> One for each letter of the alphabet. I haven't yes. watched it yet. But uh, you know, I, I guess it doesn't. Haven't we all imagined, you know, the most awful deaths we could possibly imagine? <laughs> you know, yeah, I'm, it's scary you think... when you when you think about. it, because I mean, there are a lot of possibilities that are just really
1: unpleasant. <laughs> yes, yeah, I I do return to burning and drowning as two. Well, the hacking to death is kind of bad because of, because
0: of the other person there swinging the machete. <laughs> That adds another level of
1: oh, of horror to, to the whole it. thing. Yeah,
0: burning yeah. to death, you know, uh, or, or being, you know, uh, you know, you could have been in the wrong place at the wrong time. Yeah, and that's unfortunate, but I mean, being hacked to death—I hadn't actually thought about that until you mentioned it. But now that you mention it, you know, that's that's pretty horrific. Yeah. Seeing it coming too and knowing, and then it's happening to you, and it, you know, and shit, that's fucking scary. And you know how many people have been hacked to death by machetes in the last thousand years. Well, in the past know? 20 at least. Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah. It, or I mean, more. It's, in Rwanda. it's hard. See, that's what I mean. We need a new species. Anyone who's capable of that kind of behavior. Yeah, as far as I'm concerned, is is really a language monkey, and they need to be in rehab immediately and separated from the general population. I think that's
1: safe nice to say.
0: That's that's seriously insane. Yes. Yeah, we got. A, yeah, see, until we until we wake up, you know, I just don't see what difference all the the legal talk makes. <laughs> thinking about this again this even being hacked to death you know it strikes me like i i'm i feel sort of confident that beyond a certain level uh... that you go into a different state of consciousness it may look really terrible to somebody who's watching you but i i think and from the the videos that i've seen of beheadings and all sorts of things that are really horrific my sense is that uh... You know, it's like I say, the human intention part of it is really ugly, but that, uh, that real death by violence is, uh, at a certain point, you know, the endorphins kick in and, and you're, you're just in a different state. Yeah. You'd hope that were the case. Well, my experience has been that is the case, but, but of course, I haven't actually died, but I have been <laughs> in some scary situations where I thought I was going to die.
1: Yeah. The, um, the accounts of, the accounts of people that are in car accidents feeling the metal go through their body when they still survive from that and describe it. Yeah, I mean, my view is that actually those kind of experiences just cognitively probably. Yeah, I, I think this. Those are life changing experiences. I'm sure. I, I in would take. <laughs> you know, yeah,
0: you know. Yeah, but again, I'm talking about. Well, yeah, th- yeah. This, this could. Yeah, I don't know
1: what I'm talking about. Let's move on to something happier, Aaron. I'm really well. No, I think what's more important than this. Well, well let me let me offer something that might be more important than this. Okay. Okay. So two experiences through the week have kind of come together in this in this thought in my mind, but I'll give you both of them. I was listening to it was an impromptu interview that was had. There's a, a convention, normally a hip hop convention. But really, it's just an opportunity for a lot of expensive artists to come and talk about their lives, you know, relatively boring. But they, it, there was an impromptu interview with a fellow who used to DJ for a group that I had some time for. The group for folks who listen to this is, is De La Soul. Their commercial stuff, not so much, but the first two albums I spent as a DJ, um, mind you, I spent a long period of time actually analyzing the albums and the samples that they used, and I actually own a lot of the music that they sampled from, particularly the kind of eclectic French folk music that no, you know, no sane English speaker would ever have any contact with. The thing that I liked in particular, and these are CD recordings, is the sound of the needle in the record and the different frequencies when you mix these things together. Acoustically, it's very nice to listen to if you like that kind of stuff. At the same time, and my spiritual advisor here is very suspicious of me now because of this, I described over a couple of recordings dividing my books and giving a good portion of them to charity. What I said at the end of that was that I found my vinyl records and I moved them to the back of the storage. Well, I went back last week and actually took the vinyl records out of storage and went through them this week. And because my family sends me Amazon gift certificates, I bought two record crates to store the records that I want to keep in, and I gave a charitable donation of records away. Going through those records was amazing to me because it was an experience that I obviously frozen in time and kind of, it was in the back of my head, but I didn't have primary access to. And the ability to pick up a record, but also to to whistle or sing the tunes that were on the record after not seeing it for, in some cases... I don't know how long ago was nineteen ninety nine? I mean, you know, that length oh, of time fifteen years yeah. ago. Yeah. So it was an amazing experience to me because I took some of them out, some of them were actually badly warped and I've put them in the charity pile in large part. Some of them I DJ'd with so much that the records were actually permanently damaged, and a couple of those I'm gonna frame because the records are basically unusable. But a number of them were still in really good condition and I kind of packed them away and I now have these two aluminum crates that I can carry my records around in now. Um, <laughs> but it was an amazing experience for me. because. Just and where horrible... would you carry them to? Well, I actually looked online and turntables are remarkably cheap now. I bet.
0: (laughs) I mean, it's just when we get a house... Unless you want a really good one, then they're probably very expensive. No, the really good ones are about $200 now. Really? Yeah. No, no, no. The really good ones are about $5,000.
1: Look online. Okay. You can get a high-end Technics, which is good as I want to pay money for. Yeah. $200. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
0: Interesting. You know, like a place that
1: used to be... Yeah, um, six seven hundred dollars, and now yeah, two hundred dollars. Yeah. That's
0: right. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, that makes sense. That actually sounds sort of reasonable. Mm. Yeah, that's if it does a good job, uh, two hundred bucks. That,
1: that's that's not bad. Yeah. So I foresee a a turn. I don't have
0: any right romantic feature. attachment to vinyl at all. Good riddance.
1: <laughs> well, you say this. Yes, I do. I just did. Yeah, I don't know. I actually really look forward to uh, playing records, just like paper books. So, another thing that I've been doing through the week, which has been interesting, although I really, really, really hate the ads, primarily because there are just two ads. And for a company like Apple actually to promote this, I just don't understand it is the iTunes Radio. Have you listened to iTunes Radio? No. no. What I mean, you do is... I mean, I don't, in, I'm not even sure what it is. <laughs> are you familiar with Pandora, the music? You know, no, I've never I've
0: never really looked to the internet for music. I've already got a music library that's bigger than most radio stations.
1: I know, but the, the, so the, phenomena, <laughs> the phenomena is about discovery, that these services are supposed to be really good yeah, I, to, well, you I to can. discover things that you've not previously heard.
0: Yeah, as long as 20 million other people like it. I'm not – I've always been in the wrong – that demographic just doesn't work for me. The shit that they give me is Justin Bieber.
1: Well, thankfully, they don't give me Justin Bieber. But I think the <laughs> interesting phenomena – yeah, look, I Pandora- – Well, actually, I haven't tried it, so I don't know. I just assumed
0: that uh – I've always had trouble trying to find the, the weird – you know, when you want yeah. a certain recording of a Shostakovich string quartet. Yeah. Uh
1: They don't – they're not helpful. So – Pandora has aggressively tried to recruit me since I moved here. And I, I, the reason I work for Netflix...
0: You mean as an employee yes, or as, as a an customer. employee,
1: as an employee. Oh, okay. The reason I work for Netflix is you can go back to the old Stone Act recordings when I was in Vegas and I would talk about Netflix periodically because I loved the content then. I'm now at a stage in my career where I don't think I could work for a company I didn't really enjoy on some fundamental level.
0: Yeah, yeah, right. Why would you? <laughs> yeah.
1: And I really don't enjoy Pandora. I think the experiences you describe you know, three degrees of separation from Bieber, potentially. So have you ever actually listened to any Justin Bieber? Um, Probably. You know, at some point,
0: I think I must have. I mean, on, on YouTube, probably. But it wasn't memorable
1: <laughs> in any way that I remembered anyway. The thing that strikes me about the current, you know, current, dearth of popular musicians is that they really are musically very primitive the whole uh-huh. notion of i mean this the, one of the things i like about de la Soul is that the dj would do five or six record breakdowns where in in 40 seconds you would get these five or six samples intertwined in like a kind of like a progressive story which you couldn't Just impossible to even think about conceptually now in terms of the music that's being produced. So it just—it astonishes me. My wife has kind of—I don't know—riled me into watching Saturday Night Live periodically (laughs) because our (laughs) our package gives it to us that we can watch it at any time. And you know, I've always said. I mean, you've clearly in some time in your history, you must have watched a Saturday Night Live.
0: Oh, I watched it religiously uh for the first I don't know, three years or so.
1: Yeah.
0: Or, or I don't know, a few years. I don't remember just exactly when I quit, but yeah but uh yeah. I yeah, for the first couple of years, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> I, I was home on Saturday night.
1: <laughs> yeah, well when they I guess when they had Andy Kaufman and uh they had a wide variety of really quite eclectic I mean the music was actually good in the first three years.
0: Well, it was, it was really a, it was a, it was good to feel, again, it was a part of, um, of being feeling like you're part of a community of people. Yeah. Who, who, you know, you knew you weren't everybody, but you knew that the people who liked this really liked it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, and we were all getting to experience this. It was pretty cool.
1: Yes. Yeah. The offering of, uh, Lennon and McCartney to come back together. And these kind of things, which would have actually happened. I mean, this the account that they were actually going to show up. But I think actually the quality, of, the quality of music in the first three years on Saturday Night Live was pretty unbelievably phenomenal. And it's interesting actually because you get to hear B sides, which you wouldn't normally hear from these artists as well, because of I guess the two, you know, the two song commitment or whatever. Anyway, through this now is really my only experience of popular music. I've tried recently to force myself to listen to some of these musicians, but it is really painful. <laughs> the funny thing is most of these musicians are my age as well. I mean, the Biebers are the rare exception. A lot of these musicians and musicians of my age who have been trying to, um, you know, get into this music thing for so long that they now through sheer persistence or what have you have luckily kind of percolated through
0: well my sense is that over the years you know anyone who's worthy of my attention i guess somehow i become aware of them like a system of a down is one group i became aware of that
1: i really like oh no harry yes (laughs) i'm gonna i'm gonna tell the story and i'll tell it only once my um my sister-in-law's husband is probably one of the most obnoxious pricks I've ever known. He really is disgusting. Wait, my, wait a minute,
0: my sister-in-law's husband. I'm trying to get. I'm trying to wrap my he's head my, around. He's now.
1: normally my brother-in-law, but you know, it's it's my wife's sister's husband. Wife's sister's. Okay, I got you. Anyway, so we attended their wedding. In fact, I actually we recorded a Stone Ape soon after we I attended their wedding. I thankfully wasn't in the wedding party, but my wife was. But I was close to the front. And before the bride and her wedding party came out, the groom and his wedding party came out. And he just stood there and looked into the distance. And I thought, something is going to be terribly, terribly wrong at this point. (laughs) And out over the speakers, it was a track called Aerials by System of Down played in its entirety. It's like five minutes long. And this was his wedding song.
0: Well, us making a bold statement, man. (laughs) He's told you everything you need to know.
1: (laughs) Way too much. More than I ever needed to know. Well, I
0: might have used Frank Zappa's, uh, you know, we are the, you know, who are, are the brain police or something, you know. So I guess, you know, you'd pick your.
1: <laughs> yeah, no Zappa in my record collection, Heron. But a number of record really? records. Yeah. Oh, so I take just initially because I'm, I'm re- I mean, my wife is next Deadhead. I'm relatively hostile to the Grateful Dead. I had five Yeah, I am dead too. Yeah. I had
0: five Dead albums in my really? collection. I've never listened to anything of theirs. I think they're the, about the sloppiest band I've ever heard.
1: Well you must have, they may have to been
0: of them huh? Oh you I've heard I mean, I mean oh, no obviously I have heard them. I'm sorry I should, I said I hadn't no I I have heard them. Yes. And and I I think they're you know they're f- fun if you're stoned. and you're there. Yes. There's a whole aura, a a theat. I mean, there's a whole thing beyond just the music that being a deadhead is. It doesn't have much to do really with any technical musical abilities. They're all sort of mediocre musicians.
1: Yes, which has always been the barrier for entry for for being joined by Heron Stone. Something you probably don't know is Sirius Radio, the satellite radio, has a Grateful Dead station that plays all dead all the time. (laughs) My wife listens to it. In fact, we listened to it together yeah. in the car. And um, she said to me at one point, wait, wait, it's really going to get funky just about now. <laughs> Which I now use in every possible inappropriate situation.
0: Now we're going to get funky. Hold on.
1: <laughs> right about now. Yeah. So, yes. Um, my view is actually... Things
0: are about to get funky. <laughs> Show title. Okay. Um, it's it's interesting. I think mean, that'll be the title of this program for you. Things are about to get funky. Yes. There you go. <laughs> well, being
1: slashed to death really uh, isn't Yeah, well, uh,
0: slashed to death with a machete. <laughs> or things are really about to get funky. Or things are about to get funky. There you yeah. go. <laughs> Easy. No, or things, yeah. The, well, it's up to you which one goes first and
1: which one goes second. I'm only using the funky one. But uh, it is an interesting phenomenon, because I would the thing I probably should explain this for folks listening in. A majority, well, half my record collection comes from being a university student, and when I was a university student, in the kind of central kind of quadrangle of the university with the cafeteria and all the other stuff, banks, what have you, there was a a weekly like secondhand thing that went on there. And there were three record sellers that would sell $2 records. So I would go and I would buy probably $20 or $30 worth of records every week because it wasn't really a risk for me. I would probably be able to sample from a majority of that and I would probably be able to use a good portion of that in my DJing and also my sampling, you know. And um, so most of my records come through that experience. Well, actually, that's not true. About half my records come through that experience. About a quarter of my records are, because my parents were divorced, I basically have duplicate records from them because they went and repurchased records after the divorce. And then the remaining number are DJ records that I would predominantly buy when I came to Berkeley. There was a Rasputin music in Berkeley that I would hit up. I would literally pack half my suitcase full going over, and then fill the remaining half with records coming back. And I would do this, maybe four trips I did this. So I have a lot of... And also, actually, I did it when I travelled internationally as well. So I've got a lot of French and a lot of uh, Swiss and uh, some German uh, DJ records that I purchase on these trips. And a lot of them are uh, just beat records. Some of them have, like, experimental music. Some of them are, like, regional rap groups. I have a lot of French, like, hip-hop and from the late 90s... Well, from mid-90s to the late 90s. So, yeah, that represents the kind of breadth of my collection. The stuff that I got rid of was either Damage Records, I've got a variety of actually, like, deceased estate records that I purchased when we were in Vegas. So lots of show tunes, lots of Sammy Davis Jr., lots of, like, Yiddish, (laughs) like clarinet records and stuff. I don't know Well, that, that period was easily to get rid of. That's a majority of what I'm getting rid of.
0: Oh, well, no, no, no. I'm, I'm sorry, man. The Yiddish clarinet record sounds interesting. That's what got, I want to hear. I've got,
1: five, I've got five records from the same Yiddish clarinet Oh, uh, Okay, all right, all right, right I, all right, state. good. The, all I've right. never listened to those records, actually, because I didn't have a record player in Vegas. But I'm actually getting rid of those just for volume's sake. Yeah, yeah.
0: Well, there are only so many seconds before you're dead. You know, hacked to death with a machete. So you got to choose very carefully what you're going to spend your time with.
1: Well, you'd want things to get a little bit funky, and that is the majority (laughs) of my records. (laughs) But, yeah, I was actually quite surprised I didn't have any zapper. I thought I might have had one in there, but no, no zapper. I've got the very first one, the Freak Out double album. I know you do, Heron. (laughs) Ah, Well, when I have a record player... If you ever come to visit, you'll need to bring it so you can play it.
0: No, I've already got it on an MP3. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's much better. Very good. That record is so fucking scratched up, and it's, you know, I yes. listened to it many times.
1: It's interesting, actually. The one record, um, Blondie's Parallel Lines, actually, is one of the few records that I put a scratch in. Um I was waiting for a fellow while I was at university to turn up at my chair off campus. And uh, he said he'd come at a certain time, and I was just listening to this record, and I got so frustrated, without control of my arm, I just flung my arm out, hit the needle on the record, and (laughs)
2: scratched (laughs) So
1: I do do own both. It's interesting, actually, because I've realized a number of these things I own on vinyl, some of them I own on cassette, on CD now through iTunes I own them. I mean I have repurchased a, a good number of my records <laughs> in multiple additional formats. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it seems to me it's just clear that the, the stuff is uh, you know nice for people who like that kind you know and want to pay for that shit but that's that's over. You know, it's, it's electronic files, man. You can I don't see how you can beat that. What? for audio quality, or for anything.
1: The musty smell of a book. And, in fact, the musty smell of these records. Ah, well, but that's a separate issue. That's not music. That's, you know, go
0: buy some musty book spray.
1: <laughs> no, you can't understand, Heron. It's like fine wine. It needs to be cultivated. You can't oh. just go and it. Oh, buy well, if stuff. you want to...
0: No, I think that's... No, I have no problem with that, it, but... Uh, like I say, in a sane world, you and all your other friends. But of course, you can do that with the internet. All the people who think that shit's really important can get together and deal with it. You know, no problem.
1: Yeah, Terence McKenna wanted to cultivate psychedelic mushrooms, but you can cultivate rich-smelling book mold. In That's the right. You of, could.
0: You, you can know. cultivate any goddamn thing you want. There's probably enough people out there. <laughs> well, maybe. <laughs> who knows? Mm. Why don't you check into it though?
1: Well, having already discovered hand porn or the lack thereof and the <laughs> niche there to be exploited, my sense is that um yeah, book mold might actually be a niche to be exploited.
0: Well, you're actually right. You know, yeah. I <laughs> I mean I have that. I mean I know I do like books. I have a sort of visceral uh I mean I've had them all my life, so I mean I'm comfortable with books. Uh but overall I'd just soon do, do away with them, you know, I mean, except for keeping them in museums and for collectors, people who like, you know, who are rich and can afford to take a wall of their house and put a bunch of books on it. Cool, you know, but if I'm – I don't want to buy a piece of, you know, some tree that somebody chopped down, put some toxic chemicals on it and then put it in a truck and drove it here and put it in my mailbox –
1: <laughs> that was just dumb <laughs> yeah it's interesting actually because I, I know the date actually it was May 15th of this year was the last although truth be told I have been to one second hand bookstore in between but in the past week maybe the past couple of weeks I probably would have ordered 10 books through ABE um, some of which have arrived that I've read and will probably donate some of which are still in transit but, yeah, it is interesting coming back from the kind of cold turkey experience of the past six months of not purchasing any second-hand books and now having the experience of, you know, opening, as you say, opening up this envelope yeah. and seeing the tree matter inside and these kind of things. Yeah. A, a lot of them are going to be very easy. In fact, the majority of them are going to be very easy to uh, to donate away. Um, some yeah. of them I mean, I've gone back, actually. One One of them, which is particularly curious because I have referred to it previously, is associated with, um, well, it's called marijuana, but I have choose to call it cannabis botany, which goes into very elaborate details back to, you know, Mendler and all this kind of stuff. I mean, it's fundamentally about genetics more than anything, which I've reread. And the thing that interested me from it is that they don't use the terms they don't use the biological terms, which was a frustration to me because I record them using the biological terms. One of the books that I've purchased, actually, though, over the past two weeks, has been the um book of my uh, nemesis, uh, this Chris Adami fellow who I met at Michigan State University last year. He wrote a book on artificial life in 1995 um, that I had intentionally not read, and now I have a purchase copy I've actually started reading. It's interesting because a good portion of it is really very, very strange. I mean, having developed artificial life for, you know, 17 and a half odd years now, to have it reconstructed from an information theory perspective... It's, you know, I mean, it was funny because when I met well, him... Well, it's interesting, I theory. would think, yeah. you know. Yeah, it's so, just...
0: But there are many maps for the same territory,
1: you, you know. Hear, he can come up with yeah. a good one, maybe. You do hear his hand throughout, though. I think that's the thing that is... His kind of stilted language and, you know, it's, it, it's actually written down, which is really quite curious. It was put up by Springer, and I would have thought Springer would have... um I had a good editor that would have just gone through and changed his rather curious language, but they kind of persisted with it. Um, I'm doing probably the last of the two Conscious in the Cloud talks next Monday. And what's interesting about that is that um Bruce Damer has actually confirmed for this one. <laughs> but nobody's going to be there. <laughs> well, I'm anticipating that we will probably have around 30 people there.
0: Well, how many did you have uh, the
1: last time? About 55, 60.
0: Mm, that's not so bad for a I second think people time. People have yeah.
1: onto the idea that it's recorded. Yeah, anyway. it's too
0: bad that they're, they're gonna, if you think they're gonna cancel it, they're not gonna give it, because this kind of thing probably needs to develop.
1: Well, what It'll I was thinking, my only problem is that it involves about half a dozen individuals at Netflix to actually arrange. My thinking is, yeah. what I will do next time is literally just I will book a meeting room, I'll gather a group of people together. And take care of it, yeah. And then I will do it without requiring, and they can pick up a group. Uh, yeah, as they walk yeah, yeah so the they can room. just
0: go about whatever they yeah. would have been doing. And I'm
1: actually going to talk to the people at Netflix to say, look, I really appreciate what you guys have done, but let's deformalize this thing. Yeah, so just I can your it at <laughs> yeah, just give me a number. Yeah, just give me your room. Yeah, so yeah. which I don't think I'll have any problem with. Because, oh, that's great. Yeah, yeah so, I would do that
0: because I think over a period of, over time, it, you know, you can be, again, there are people who are ready to talk about this kind of stuff, but it's going to take time for them to hook up. Uh, yes, you know,
1: yeah, but we, I so mean, I'm confident that we have the space. I just don't think we can have the lecture theater that seats 180.
0: Well, you don't need that odd, big a place yeah. if you're only going to be getting 20 people. We, we do But
1: 20 have, people is still good. Yeah, we do actually have a nice lecture theater that sits about 40 people, and it's considerably more participatory. Yeah, listen,
0: a room with some chairs and a table in the front and a blackboard will do. Yeah. Yeah. You know, actually, those kinds of spaces are particularly nice, actually. Yes. Yeah. It, it really sets the tone for everybody. Yes. A conference hall is okay, you know, but the more informal, I think maybe the better for this kind of stuff.
2: Mm.
1: We'll see how it's cultivated. I guess my broader concern is the speaker other than Bruce and, and i uh, Zan Gill is, um, you yeah, think, you n- know, now what? <laughs> well, now she, she has a, like a, a cameraman that she wants to bring along, but, If we if he was to film us, we'd have to pay him, and I'm not interested in paying a cameraman. He wants to film it. Fine, that's his business. Yeah, but the thing that concerns (laughs) me is fact: if he wants to film it, he should pay you. Well, it's interesting actually because I mean you describe (laughs) you describe what happened with the what there was there was a group that came after Est, where you would all get together and you had like the police, assistant police, what have you, and gang members and things. I can't recall what that was actually called. Yeah, I don't know. But you described that it fell apart through this kind of people coming and giving commercials for you know,
0: Oh, no, their- it wasn't that about that gang thing. No, that the gang thing was one of the projects that came out of this other meeting where these people just came to share their vision, which was awesome for about 2 years until people started coming and doing commercials for, you know, their their massage therapy, <laughs> you know, or Yeah. Or whatever new-age bullshit they were battling. <laughs> yes.
1: <laughs> I guess that's my concern with this. But for a couple
0: it, of years, yeah. it was awesome,
1: you know? The people I still who, see
0: that as a model for what I'm going to be doing.
1: If, if, and this would take you know effort on your part, but if you look at the Conscious in the Cloud meetup page, it is a majority <laughs> kind of young entrepreneur folk and then small number of actual doers. And I think it's interesting, actually, the um, notion that maybe this might put, you know, a group of artificial life folk in front of people that are actually interested in using this in a more dynamic fashion. But it would take, as so you say, So they need to see how it,
0: how it applies to exactly. their lives.
1: Exactly. So yeah. it would take a couple of years for this to work out on that line. But certainly I'll put to the people, and you never know, I mean, in the next three days, we might have a mass, you know joining what have you or people RSVPing that they're going to attend. But my view is probably the smaller group lends itself more to the kind of question and answer. Yeah, I think what you're – the question is why are you bothering to do this? I'm doing it because historically there was a group here called Greythumb that would meet on a monthly basis that would actually have some really interesting discussions associated with artificial life. True, they were more in the San Francisco end. they weren't in the South no, Bay. This thing is
0: is uh, conscious in the cloud, not artificial life. Exactly. So you're-
1: but what I'm saying is that that venue gave an opportunity for a variety of folk to kind of meet and sniff each other for want a oh, better okay. term. Yeah. Right. And I think I these got, kind of yeah. things are good. And also it forces me to um, realize that I'm a physical form.
0: Well, I'll tell you, man, I don't get the whole concept of conscious in the cloud. To me, it's those are nice words, but I don't, I don't, well, let me I don't really see to you. the cloud is well, being significant, let really. Let me explain it to you. Okay.
1: The cloud is the current buzzword that certainly Netflix and a number of other institutions use to describe what I think will be a future global like processing yeah, framework.
0: Yeah, Yeah, the idea that information is just somewhere out there and you don't have to really worry about well, no, where it is.
1: That's the Apple-branded cloud. The computational cloud, as described, is actually considerably more about kind of Java clusters kind of communicating and, you know, dissecting information. I mean, there's a kind of commercial cloud, i.e., iCloud, etc., which I utilize. Well,
0: well. About, well the, Okay, there's two different perspectives. There's the user experience, and then there's the person who's creating the software and
1: maintaining it and all that shit. No, which they're is two okay. distinct things. They're actually two yeah. distinct things. One well, of that's what I'm saying. One is yeah. a place to store your stuff. And the other thing is um, a description of... Distributed systems working together, doing processing right. work.
0: Yeah. All of that. Yeah. Right. I agree. All of that stuff is, is what I mean by the cloud. And there's obviously a lot to be developed, but I'm, all I'm saying is it doesn't, I don't see why that's such a, I mean, it's, it is a game changer because it, <laughs> but philosophically, the, the, the real issue is what the hell are we going to do with it? We've, that's a exactly good point. Yeah. Okay. And, yeah.
1: And I think conscious as okay. a concept is something that is interesting when you talk about computation. Historically, we would joke about the fact that eventually getting the likes of, you know, Ray Kurzweil et al. to one of these events would be, you know, part of it, since (laughs) they would be the kind of poetic (laughs) narrators of this whole idea. But actually, I increasingly think that um, potentially... I mean, look, I met for lunch with one of the guys that attended the last one that I did, and he kind of pitched me on his idea. And then I looked at all the documentation. I was pretty skeptical even leading into the lunch. But I think there's a component of this that is associated with mentoring as well. That actually those of us that have done this for how many years, if there are new folks that are coming to this, we need to educate them on what exists currently, but yeah, also uh, how they can use it.
0: Let me stop you because all of a sudden some idea has just popped into my head about what this format is again. <laughs> is it? You really ought to just select one other person and do an interview with that person. Only develop a format that brings the audience into it, you know. But but starts with just you and one other person.
1: But if you, I mean, that's the that's the Biota podcast idea.
0: Well, whatever the no, it's
1: just a good idea
0: that 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 will work for you. The
1: problem the problem
0: with Biota
1: as a phenomenon because that's exactly what Biota was. Was that basically this is
0: not biota though this is conscious in the cloud well, yeah, but I mean this will be
1: whatever the hell you want it to be go if 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 the listeners are interested, I have a large body of work already in this format, um and you can see what occurred through that. I mean, what primarily occurred through that was just all the parties, myself included, got burnt out with the format that uh, what were you trying to achieve? I was trying to achieve a broad community that could come to some consensus associated with the best ways of propagating information in the community to a broader audience. There were certain ideas that had never been properly captured in academic writing or a variety of other sources that would be wonderful to actually put them out to the broadest possible audience, in this case, through podcast form. Which, to a certain extent, worked, but... A number of the characters who were involved with that made you seem like a normal, reasonable, easy to converse with individual. I mean, they were genuinely firebrain difficult in kind of an extreme sense, which is why it's always a very relaxing pursuit to chat with you on a Friday night, <laughs> because the, the extreme nature of some of these people but also there were a variety of different dynamics.
0: Are we talking like, about unconscious language monkeys here? No, well, we're talking about the
1: strain of language monkey that we've described previously associated
0: with... I mean, do they think that they know what reality really is, or do they just have uh, some
1: ideas that they think are I don't interesting? Know. I do mean, look. To be fair, I think a few of them are enlightened in this direction. Oh, good.
0: Okay, yeah. I mean, that, that may be so. I'm just curious what you think. The,
1: you know, the what percentage is, fall into these d- different groups? The problem groups. is, and this is one of the curious things. I mean, imagine imagine your archetype model railroad, but make them potentially, a few of them <laughs> earned, earned an income from this. So a few of them for some period of time. From what? Artificial In, life development.
0: Oh, okay. So a so few they, of these people actually made a the, living doing this. <laughs> Okay. So People they, who are pay, who were they getting paid by?
1: Uh, commercial games companies, universities, majority universities. Oh, cool. Occasionally, okay. external I, yeah. commercial. They had companies. a good good deal going there for a while. <laughs> for a while. <laughs> and that's where the interesting toxicology occurs, <laughs> because I came to it very much as a hobbyist, more more than just a hobbyist, someone who actually liked to talk about it in a laid back. Non-aggressive, non-judgmental. Yeah, no, yeah, no. a scientific way. Well, let's ex- well, let's explore you've this the S word thing. around. A lot well, of them- let's explore this
0: yeah. thing and see what mm. kind of fun we can have.
1: <laughs> a, a lot of them made claims associated with the scientific base. Truth be told, there was one individual who basically maintained a kind of telephone stalking campaign with me, which got me. But also, I mean, one of the primary participants in fact a majority of the primary participants moved away from this. I mean Bruce Damer, um Gerald De Jong, a variety of the folk who I talked with on a regular basis. The only person who's really stayed with it is a fellow called Jeffrey Ventrella, who I made who lives in the far north bay, he lives in Petaluma, if you know where that is compared to where I am. Um and he is someone who I have a lot of time for, but again, you know, through through what I'm doing with Noble Ape in terms of working on it on a daily basis, but also through my professional experience, Jeffrey's experience and my experience have kind of diverged to the point where when I went to see him and his wife, I took my wife up to meet them uh, maybe a year and a half ago now. He just wanted me to review his code and things like that. I wanted to actually walk through Petaluma and, you know, go to the independent seat <laughs> store and all this kind of stuff. And he wanted me as a resource yeah, I, to review Apparently, there comments.
0: was a lack of communication as to what the hell the meeting was about
1: well i think we came to that resolution <laughs> but the the thing about it is that um i the the phone hacker john draper i had a, I had similar experiences with him was whenever i would spend time with him the later period of time he'd just literally rip out his laptop and say i got this bug this bug this bug this bug can you help me with this bug here's how. Yeah, how to yeah, yeah. Yeah. and it's yeah, just like i know i, know. You know, I mean I do do other things other than program. And the funny thing is, actually, with KMO, he will always refer to the fact that I'm a programmer first and foremost, and I don't think of myself in that light at all. Yeah. It's, yeah. You know, it's a way I pay the bills, but it's not me. Yeah, yeah, it's you a know? skill, that's yeah. all. It's a skill you have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It is actually funny because I'm I'm going through all these bugs in no-blable, all these issues, or if you're Obama, glitches. And what comes through it is that within an evening I can typically solve a bug but I'm finding more and more the deeper I dig basically well, in the rewrite. Oh that's important.
0: good, there's no time limit on this, you've Not got the time.
1: rest of your life to
0: figure this out well, and so you just work
1: on it. The thing about it is that um, um, a number of these bugs were introduced over time um, and. Well, you've had multiple people working on it. You've yeah.
0: got a conglomeration of code in there Certainly. and driven different people at different times for different purposes. And to go through that and try and rationalize it, good luck.
1: I, I'd never <laughs> attempt to rationalize it. I don't think that's the purpose of the. Well, but to get it, you, well, to get it where you want it anyway. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I think the, um, the manifestation of bugs in software. And your understanding of the software is really quite a, it's difficult to translate. I mean, this is the the whole government healthcare website, what have you. But it is actually a distinct profession. I had a, maybe two, three years ago, I have a friend who's a linguist. She's an academic linguist. And she was talking about writing some software that maybe she could just buy some books and she'd be able to write the software. <laughs> I mean, it strikes me, yeah. you know, that this is yeah. the way some people think of software. That, yeah, yeah. You know, that's
0: na- a, Well, that's obviously very naive. She hasn't learned her linguistics. For her. She's an academic. So linguist. what? She's an unconscious language monkey who hasn't figured out language at all. Yeah, a lot, yeah. I, listen, I know about the academic linguistics community. <laughs> <laughs> Some of them are generally nice. I've actually received. Oh no, some there are really some nice. nice there's animals. some wonderfully, and there's some attractive ones too. They're, you know, there's wonderful people. Yes, of course. Nevertheless,
1: <laughs> yeah. The computational linguist, who, funnily enough, my friend knows, who contacted me maybe four years ago, I I put on the Nobelate simulation page. Actually, let me bring up the text. Why don't I actually refer to the text in this case? rather than just because I'll get it slightly wrong and then the irony will be lost which just tends <laughs> to happen this way the quote is here we are this remains the best landscape oriented eight brain simulator for Mac OS 10 and this <laughs> review was very about, much say
0: that again oh yeah I want this to remains
1: it the best landscape oriented eight brain simulator <laughs> for Mac OS 10 <laughs> However, he doesn't
0: mention the portrait-oriented ones, I guess. No, no, no,
1: no, 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 no. You don't understand. Landscape-oriented means that it's associated with apes moving over landscapes. Yeah,
0: as opposed to apes moving through the void.
1: (laughs) Yes, exactly. It's good for that, too, might I add, Heron. But, yes. Anyway, so this computational linguist fellow... I put this online maybe seven years ago when the review was originally posted. This computational linguist fellow wrote an entire blog post based on this one statement.
0: <laughs> well, that's a tribute to his creativity, isn't it?
1: I thought it was absolutely stunning that this guy, this academic, could just write on this one thing. <laughs> can, exactly.
0: That's their job, is to write on anything and, and somehow try desperately to make it seem relevant.
1: Let me see if I can find his blog post.
0: I'm not sure I'm going to find anything are. Uh, eight grade there.
1: simulators run rampant. So, oh, are there are others and you have competitors? No. So in two, th- let me put the, t- he, this guy wrote this in 2005 on his language log associated with, <laughs> and he even mentioned that I contacted him after the fact because I found it somehow. I can't remember. I think someone might have pointed me to it. Um, but anyway, so yes, f- folks can go and find it in their own time if they're interested in having a channel. works is you, you pen, University of Pennsylvania is actually an Ivy League school, isn't it? Oh, I have no idea. I think it is. Anyway, so he's at UPenn, which seems like an appropriate place for a linguist. Remshot.
0: Well, they have linguistic uh, or linguist schools in most universities. They're all over. The- they even had one where I was. That was part of why I decided to leave. Mm. <laughs> Were you asked to leave, or
1: did you decide to leave here?
0: No, I entered. I, I talked to. I started talking to the professors in the, you know, in that department, and you know, talking about, you know, doing graduate work. And it didn't take more than about five minutes to realize that this is not the place I want
1: to be. Yes, <laughs> yes, yeah. Academia still fundamentally scares me. I'm, I'm. On the board. There
0: are individuals. That's the thing. There are individuals here and there. If you can hook up with them, you're okay.
1: Well, even those individuals scare me. I mean, this is the thing. I went to the conference last year, and now I'm on this board of the International Society of Artificial Life. They keep organizing these Skype calls during my working time. Like, there's no way when I'm at work regularly that I can take a Skype call with academics. I mean, I'm... Well, you're not high enough up the totem pole to be worthy of them, then. If you
0: can't make your own time schedules, fuck you. Mm. <laughs> that's
1: my attitude. Well, that's actually very interesting, because I've been thinking about what being paid an income actually means. There's a strange disconnect that we've talked about associated with a trailer park and a few other metaphors associated <laughs> with actually what earning what you lose when you earn an income and well there are lots of
0: ways to earn an income too i mean you don't have to lose in earning an income do you well this is interesting i don't don't think you have to i think most people do but i don't think that's necessarily part of it i think it's really about how clever you can be I'm just not clever enough to have figured that out yet, but I'm still working on it.
1: I think it's an interesting (laughs) problem, and it's certainly a problem that I reflect upon periodically. (laughs) Because I can't... I mean, I'd like to be able to utilise more... I mean, this was ultimately the comic book project, which is why I'm looking forward to restarting it sometime in the new year. But I'd like to have the ability to use some of this stuff that is collected... While I'm, you know, doing what I do in my day job to actually motivate and empower other people, but fundamentally pay them for what they're good at doing as well. Yeah. It's an interesting problem because it's, yeah,
0: money is just, yeah, it's money is really nothing. I mean, it shows up as time. Yeah. It's what, what it amounts to. And there's a <laughs> transla- there's a you, translation
1: you- as well between, you know, what you, what you, what money your time is worth versus what money you want to pay someone else's time.
0: Well, all those things are decisions to be made. Yeah.
1: I don't think I'm really missing out on anything missing out on these Skype calls, though. I mean, I don't see the problems that I am facing are not even orthogonal to the problems the International Society of Artificial Life is facing. It makes me wonder if there isn't benefit actually formalizing I mean Bioto Why should start your own organization. Well Bioto has historically been that organization, but I don't think it it's not it's a vehicle that I've utilized and will probably continue to utilize for a certain set of things. But I don't think it's the right vehicle for What
0: has it taken on its own life now or what?
1: Well, it existed prior to me.
0: Oh, okay. So, All what? Right. Yeah, was,
1: you were just there for a while, and, and very influential. Well, what has, what happened historically was that there were a series of conferences that I couldn't attend, and then when the conference series died, I basically pestered Bruce Damer for the next five years. So, Bruce actually...
0: Damer is a big deal in the artificial life community. Has he done research in that
1: area? He created Biota. Um, he he has a master's and a PhD in artificial life related stuff.
0: Oh really? Okay. I mean That's, I not I, I don't know why I'm surprised, but I'm not I sure the way
1: he dresses. <laughs> so p- probably a majority of the academics wouldn't consider him a big deal in artificial life. I mean, there's a substantial yeah. but the majority of these people don't know who I am either, although some do, but many don't really understand. I mean yeah. it is interesting oh. actually because I think getting respect from the artificial life community is actually the antithesis of well there isn't
0: dollars. just one uh artificial life community that seems clear to me there's at least a couple or maybe several yeah you know who you know people use artificial life but uh they've got very different underlying
1: philosophies and it's a term which has been um, sullied by the academic artificial life community. And I mean, that's my frustration. It might be worth
0: analyzing said. that and, and being able to clearly identify what those sub subsystems are so that people can quit arguing about it. <laughs> you know, Whoa. you're either one, two, three, or four.
1: <laughs> the general argument has been made to ch- that if the term artificial nature, which is almost as good as artificial life, um, I mean, the, the rebranding in terms of a new name and all these kind of things. I mean, my view is, increasingly, what I do is Noble ape. noble Well, the, ape yeah, the I
0: issue do. is, what are you doing? Yeah, what is it you're interested... Apparently, this has something to do with computers and making simulations of something.
1: Well, right? the argument is, actually, I mean, this is the interesting thing. The Secretary of the International Society and I exchanged correspondence because my view was that software companies would be potentially, you know, future... uh Patrons is probably the wrong word. Sponsors is also the wrong word. But future contributors to artificial life, if it were to, you know, unify and do a variety of things. And he said, "Well, actually, what's interesting in the field now is what's called wet artificial life, which is artificial life in chemistry, and hard artificial life, which is artificial life in robotics." And my point was, no, actually, Uh, what I was what I was was talking about here were industries that were actually making money, not the zero billion dollar a year industry that is wet artificial life or the you know, the interesting yeah. thing about robotic artificial life is actually the fellow who made his money from it, from MIT, a uh, fellow by the name of Rodney Brook, makes all these uh, defense robots, you know, aside from Boston Dynamics, which all might be loosely connected <laughs> with Rodney Brook. His iRobot company, you know, makes a variety of different drones and military robots. So, yes, the... The hard artificial life community is um, ultimately robot killing machines, a la Terminator Yeah, yeah right.
0: um, And that stuff, well, of course, that's the easy stuff, hmm. it turns out. Yes. Yeah, um,
1: humans are very easy to kill in a wide variety of fashions for <laughs> <per laughs> our earlier does. conversation, so yes. Yeah.
2: Um,
1: but uh, my view is actually <laughs> that software, I mean, um, my particular proclivity, although next year I'm going to be talking about um, Noble Apes in Space, which is the, ultimately has robotic components, could potentially even have software artificial life components. Uh, sorry, a wet artificial life components. But yeah, I mean, my interest is in software simulation. And I think there's a rich and very interesting set of problems that are yet to be solved. And this thing isn't in any way passe. It's only passe from the individuals that have.
0: Well, pa- yeah, it's just, it's irrelevant. That's why it needs to be separated out into, mm. I mean, instead of all these people arguing about Artificial intelligence, probably you know I say there's three, two, three, four, five i don't know how many fairly clear uh specifics that some people are interested in, and they could quit worrying about arguing about artificial intelligence and hook up with the people who are interested in the stuff they're interested
1: in i mean let's be clear here my my role is completely removed from people well although. Well, would you want, you would like
0: to be hooked up with other people who are interested in doing stuff you're interested in doing, wouldn't you?
1: The key word here is doing.
0: Yes. <laughs> well, it starts with thinking about. You gotta think about it before you start doing it. You I don't know, it depends on where you.
1: That's true, Heron. I actually did a lot of doing before I started thinking about it.
0: Uh, I don't think it's a chicken that's your, dis- that's your description of it now. And I'm not gonna argue with you about that. All I'm suggesting is, People who have a genuine interest in it. What you're describing
1: is the problem associated with academia, i.e. tail chasing speculation and actually creating something. And I well, think no, it's is...
0: what I've been doing on Skypecast and, and podcasting and everything is I've been making connections with individual human beings who are a part of my life now. And that's why, that's what I'm here for is to hook up with other people. Who are here to make a difference somehow, you know, not quite sure what <laughs> maybe, but uh people who, uh, you know, who are misfits, I guess, in a sense, uh who are not motivated by the things that apparently most people are motivated, motivated by in this culture. But there are some percentage of people who are, you know. Uh, highly motivated for other reasons, and, and uh, I'm looking for those people. And I'm beginning, I'm finding them. They're there, and they're they're hooking up. Not many,
1: <laughs> but you know. So I, I guess I don't have a similar. I mean, I, I have a sense to a certain extent that occurs. But I mean, ultimately, on some level, I'm going through kind of Bob Mottram withdrawal. That mm-hmm. having someone who was contributing on a regular, periodic basis, to noble eight was really actually a luxury. (laughs) Hell
0: yes.
1: (laughs) Damn right. And, you know, all those... Now he's found other things to do. Well, it's interesting, actually, because through my... For maybe one out of six of the things that I fix, Bob will send me, like, a single-line email, because, he, you know, he knows the code as well. So we really are two people who...
0: Well, he may not have anything to do with this anymore. He may be done with it.
1: Well, it doesn't seem to be the case. I mean, what I'm well, saying is that he still has some interest, but his time is devoted to well, it.
0: Oh, that's up to him, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, that's irrelevant. Really, your your job is to do what you've got to do. <laughs> what he does is
1: up to him. Exactly. It's interesting doing the thing every day because it gives you a – It's at some stages, like, you know, for example, 11 o'clock at night when I realize I have to make a contribution – you know, it's interesting, actually, what I choose to pick. But g- generally, there are a sufficient number of problems that I can find that focus relatively quickly. The other thing I've found is, I mean, typically, maybe two or three nights a week, maybe two, let's say, I will wake up at about 3 a.m. and realize I'm not going to be able to get back to sleep for at least half an hour, and I'll just do something on no blade.
0: Yeah, why not? Yeah, it makes perfect sense. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, what else would you do? Sit there and stare at the ceiling, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's perfect. You probably come up with some good stuff, or I don't know, do you? Well, I think what yeah, whatever. It's
1: I can find things very quickly. I mean it's interesting actually that the kind of subconscious speed at solving certain issues is remarkably faster at that time because your focus is just really quite abstract. It's very strange, yeah, actually. I've yeah, having, actually,
0: yeah, it's kinda of interesting. Yeah.
1: I've been having sufficiently lucid dreams recently that I will I mean, for example, I had a dream this morning that we had moved into a house. It was summertime, even though we were entering winter in Northern California. And I had just realized, I was about to go to work, but I just realized that the house had a pool. So I dove into the pool, even though I was wearing my work clothes. And as I was swimming, there was a wasp hovering just above the water. So I reached out to try and swat at the wasp, and I actually knocked a glass off my table in real life. Be from this swatting move. So I've been having really quite interested. Most of my dreams actually are really quite dark and disturbed. But recently, these kind of periodic hot, optimistic future dreams have been kind of settling their way into my consciousness. I'm not sure how it's occurred. It's kind of it yeah. Was, it was happy well, for me to have just solely disturbing dreams for a period of time.
0: Well, I envy you having yeah. It's it's you know say my dream life is pretty much over. <laughs> well, we'll see. Maybe it'll come back. Mm.
1: Yes, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know diet has an effect on dreams. Oh, I suppose I just
0: about everything does. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. But
1: yeah, it is. But it's been. I've been through
0: various exercise and diet regimens over the last ten years, mm. and I haven't dreamed much in the last ten, even maybe twenty years. A long time. Mm. I mean, I do have them once in a while and, and, and they're not really very spectacular. They're just sort of eh, yeah, that was a guy, interesting sort of thing but nothing earth-shaking or anything.
1: So, I would hate to attribute any kind of Productive work ethos associated with Gendo, particularly at this stage of our conversation. I'm not sure if you want me to actually. Maybe I
0: need one more glass of wine before we talk about this, or what?
1: I don't know. I think, I think, well, I'm (laughs) uncomfortable. My view is that we should be comfortable to talk about this now. I mean, I think it was Sunday because that's typically the evening that you tend to call me on. But I think last Sunday we had a conversation associated with you publishing. Yeah, right. Is that something you well, want to talk about in Age, or can we, uh, can we
0: talk about oh, it? I, mean, I don't know. If you want to talk about it, I, I don't really know exactly what it is, but it seems like a natural thing to do as part of what it is I'm trying to do. So, I mean, and I've got all the material. I've got more than enough material. It's really about organizing it and putting it together in some sort of form.
1: It is interesting, actually, because after, although well, there was a dip of about half a year, a year and a half, for the three-odd years we've been conversing, it's nice that this one seed element has kind of rubbed off on you. <laughs> <laughs> after, after many years. Well, I,
0: I would suggest that this is not an idea that you were the first to bring to me. I'm sure, but I I started this book you, in, like, 1996.
1: But I understand that. But my, I it, guess my broader point is that the method in which I used, that I've been explaining to you pretty consistently mm-hmm. for the past three-odd years... It's the method yeah. which you seem to be remotely, re- it's actually interesting. Oh, yeah,
0: you've been, no, obviously you're one of the people I've spent my time talking to. <laughs> so obviously, you know, you have been some influence on
1: me. The thing that I chuckled about following our call was that even though I've described this kind of ad nauseum, probably to the listenership's detriment for so long in minute detail. The questions that you had for me were still relatively general, even though we had kind of. Oh, yeah. Oh, and no.
0: I, I yeah, yeah, because
1: I I wasn't really interested in
0: it before, you know. I mean, and, yeah, and at this point, I don't need to have any much, much more detail than what you gave me. Yes. I mean, I still have to decide on the actual material and produce the book. Yes. That's, that's the work. That's the hard part for me, anyway. Yeah. But, but yeah, once I've got that down, then, or at least when I get close, to that, then that's when I need to start seriously. But again, now I already know what the options are and they're pretty good. (laughs) They are remarkably good, actually. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, it's just the question is whether I can put something down that's going to be of any use to anybody.
1: My view is actually that putting anything down, you'll be able to find at least someone through putting anything down.
0: Yeah, yeah, I I agree. so it doesn't have to be perfect. It just has to be version, you know, 0. 0.9. Maybe a, maybe I'll release a beta version of it, yeah. you know. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay, so the first version will be a beta version.
1: I mean, if you wanted <laughs> to do it really, you know, open source-esque, you'd put up a wiki, you'd publish the wiki in book form, and then you'd give people the opportunity to go back to the wiki and make it. Ah, okay. Edits.
0: Ah, good idea. Oh, that's interesting. <clears> hmm. <throat>
1: Well, that could be a nightmare too. It but. could well be a nightmare. What you need to do is but actually I, well, what so Wikipedia what if it has is, and like? I
0: just won't pay any attention to
1: it. Well, you know? What you could but. do is what Wikipedia has done, which I've done with Model Rail Radio, and that's actually empower a small number of dedicated I, wiki. Yeah. Participants.
0: Well, yeah, if we can get, yeah, okay, yeah, that would that would certainly help. Yes, if somebody
1: could moderate the the thing. I mean, the interesting thing is you could have a relatively closed wiki with five or six, like, entry-level questions. They would have to respond to the questions to you, and then through the responses to the questions, you could assess... Whether or not they should be oh, participants. Really?
0: And this is all the way this thing all works right now. I mean, I could, you could do, do that, just yeah. that exactly. right now. Okay. Yes. yes. Oh, well, that's cool. Well, listen, when the time comes, Tom, you're the first guy I'm going to come talk to. <laughs> I guess really this is more than I need to know right now because I, I still have to produce the damn stuff first, yeah. <laughs> you know, but, uh, yeah, this is really good information to know.
1: Aaron? I'm out of topics. Do you have anything you want to float before we call it a night?
0: Well, i still got a half a glass of wine
1: here. Oh, I'll I want to put something <laughs> to you, actually. Let me, let, me, let me put this to you. So, oh. I've been going through an experience of late, in large part through um, Amazon service, where you pay, I think, $50 a year and then you get free shipping, where I've been actually like experimenting and exploring what Amazon has to offer. In the kind of corners of Amazon, the, let- the lesser known corners.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I've been looking through, for example, uh, their artisanal food areas. What kind of, uh, like, eclectic, um, what do they call them? Um, they don't call them ancestral seeds. What do they call Anyway, they're seed banks. They have a wide variety of things associated with, like, micro machining and gunsmithing. I've really been exploring Amazon to see in the yeah. future, because I don't think I think this is speaking of beta, you know betas, what have you. We're really in the kind of beta phase of these kind of things. What we use it for? Oh, we're
0: just getting started. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, you're right. What we're yeah. using yeah, it yeah, for is,
1: just... is um, uh, what would you call them? Like hard goods, like goods that don't um, don't. A perish, unperishables. Yeah. Stuff. So, all, all the, all the useless stuff that you always pick up, like toothpaste, cat food, you know, toilet paper, washing up liquid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, all the stuff that basically makes shopping drudgery. And then I've worked out a kind of optimized number that we receive every, you know, once every five months or twice every Four months, or think. Well,
0: whatever. It doesn't make yeah. any difference. It can come every other week. It can come you every can't. week, just they, a little bit.
1: No, they have to do it on a monthly schedule. That's what you sign. Oh, up I for see. It. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. So yeah. So you just get the yeah. load for them. So okay. yeah, yeah. Or, yeah. That makes a know. lot of
0: sense. That yeah. saves you going having to go to Costco. Yeah. <laughs> but through, is it cheaper than Costco?
1: Yes, it is. Okay, uh, actually, good. it is for some things. There are some things that they still can't get cheap enough. But the most of it is cheaper than Costco. Yeah. And so you just mark off the stuff
0: you want on their website and it shows up on a pallet. (laughs) Not on a pallet, but
1: in a box, basically. (laughs) Anyway, yeah, yeah, whatever. So, I mean, for example, the the, uh, British barley cordial thing that I'm adding to my water currently, um, you know, will come periodically. Uh, And basically, I mean, I think this evening, aside from the chilies and the kosher chicken stock, everything came through this process that I... That I used in my dinner, um, yeah. and it is an interesting process. But I think it changes. <laughs> I mean the notion the notion, for example, yeah. of living on a farm.
0: Listen, uh, soylent purple will solve all of this problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No problem. Yeah, really. When you can have nice little uh, chocolate, little little specialty candy, mm. cute little things to eat that
1: have every. This so actually l- let paper. me let me give you some examples here to actually explain <laughs> the depths of these things. I found that there are um, when I lived in Australia. One of the things that I would get as delicacy occasionally, aside from duck eggs, was um, game sausage, typically venison. And you need a very small quantity of you know venison sausage if you're making, for example, like a pasta sauce or something like that. That can be the meat base. So I can now get venison and pheasant sausages, fresh, delivered through this process. <laughs> it's basically expanding. It's, yeah, it's yeah, in yeah. one sense, w- retracting. Where's it this coming from? Uh,
0: Minnesota. Okay, and they're shipping all over the world, obviously. Yeah. And the interesting
1: yeah. thing as well is... Um, you... Yeah, it, it eliminates you from the... Do they actually tragedy. have a
0: deer farm there yeah. or what? Yeah. Is that... I didn't know that they had deer farm. They, they do. So, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah well, I learned something new. So,
1: it's... A, um, huh. a, Do you, I mean, I'm not sure if you, you may know this, but there are many different kinds of miso, the fermented bean curd as well. Mm. So we have, like, four different kinds of miso now that we, my wife uses periodically in cooking. And it's really strange because they're all different and they all have, like, different kind of nuts. Yeah, this is just
0: pornography for them Yeah. It is. Bullshit.
1: But, well, you
0: say that, but it's now. Uh, been... I do. I'm infected with it myself. Yeah. Listen, man, I love a good, you know, steak. Yes.
1: <laughs> you know, I haven't mashed, gone that far mashed yet. Mashed potatoes and I haven't gone that far yet. I've not actually.
0: I'm not mashed potato, but a baked potato, yes. really crispy, with a lot of butter and some salt and pepper on it, man. Oh, uh, yeah. I'll still go for I still go for that. I'm brain damaged. What can I say?
1: It's interesting, you know, actually. But in the long run, that's just stupid. <laughs> my mother has been to this country twice, and my mother is probably one of the most neurotic food-related people. <laughs> this has basically infected me through, yeah. uh, through living with her.
2: Yeah,
1: she probably, will pick yeah. to pieces what you're eating in real time as you're eating it, and this will become her thing. Yeah. We took her... My wife, my my spiritual advisor plays with this.
0: Yeah, that could be fun.
1: Yeah. So, towards the end of my mother's stay here, (laughs) when we were in Vegas, we took her to Red Lobster. And she ordered a baked potato, not realizing what she'd get. In, In her world, a baked potato is an old potato that's dry and horrible that you throw into the oven burn to a crisp and you kinda of, you peel off a rubbery outer shell and four layers are burnt and you've got like a little <laughs> yeah, artichoke my, sized piece that's of That's just
0: about my right idea for a baked potato.
1: <laughs> Instead she got this creamy salt encrusted thing with butter, chives, sour cream. Uh-huh which she proceeded to eat and complain about every mouthful, <laughs> just literally continuously. This yeah. kind of ongoing yeah. so language awesome. associated oh, yeah. with this. Yeah. Two years later in Australia, yeah. I was walking with her, and she said, "You know, the best baked potato I ever had was that one." <laughs> <of the US." laughs> yeah. So yes, yeah. I think what will happen here is actually that I will expand what I grow. And then I will have this increment of what I grow that could potentially come from, you know, Wisconsin could potentially come from, uh, you know, somewhere in Japan. And this is just the world that we live in.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I just uh, ate my first store-bought tomatoes in the last Uh,
1: four or five months because I've been my own. Eating the cherries, yeah.
0: And uh, boy, are they disappointing, you know. I did buy some cherry tomatoes, and those were actually pretty good. So I, uh-huh. that, they were pretty good. Maybe it's, I don't know what it what it is, but the end of the season. Well, I don't know. Yeah. But in any case, uh, there's but but some of the other ones. I've tried a couple different kinds, and you know, organic, yeah, uh, supposedly good tomatoes, and they really weren't quite as tasty as the ones that were growing naturally in my own backyard. I know. I
1: know. yeah i'm now growing i mean the chilies are the last things that i'm out of tomatoes the basil cilantro and chives are going to be the next thing that are coming up i've got a lot of basil currently um but yeah it's it's really augmenting what i what we have in kind of fresh stuff with this yeah it makes sense sense yeah to make that part of your life Yeah. Yeah. yeah anyway heron i really am fresh out of ideas unless you want to throw up another topic no, like I said, but i still got a quarter of a glass a of wine. A quarter of a glass of wine. <laughs> oh, you're really pushing the topics out of me this evening here. i mean, two minds of describing. I don't even know if it'll become a thing. This is the thing. So I talked a little bit in the last recording associated with, again, being up at 2 a.m. or something, and purchasing these two, what they call frames, um, which are these hunks of aluminum that you put a couple of hours of machining into, and then you have a firearm. And the thing that strikes me about it is that this is actually, these are, all of them are existing firearms. They're very well-known firearms because you need to have a parts market that will also supply parts to these frames. Well, I thought you were making your
0: own, so you just make more if you need them. Right? Why would you need somebody well, to supply you with parts? Because if you made it to begin with. <laughs> this
1: is the interesting thing. The frame is not everything.
0: So oh, the frame, they, they. Oh, I see. So you have to actually you, you make the frame, but you buy the parts to fit the yeah. frame. Uh, okay, I
1: got you. And that's the frame is what legally. Well, what good is that? I thought the whole idea was to make it yourself. Well, the frame is what legally becomes the firearm. So what you are doing <laughs> is actually creating the firearm. The parts, the everything else, including the firing pin, the barrel, yeah, all these okay. other things, are not actually the firearm. So- <laughs> Uh. Which is the? This is the language. This is the language. No, I understand,
0: war. but I mean, this is just this is getting more and more baroque. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so I don't know. I mean, I don't know. If so, you... so what's the point? Why not just go out and buy a fucking gun? Why go to the trouble of making one if you got to still go out and buy parts for it? What... Because
1: it doesn't exist as a firearm like the one that you purchase. So what? What are you planning on doing with it? My view is that actually, as a talking paperweight, it makes something in and of itself. I mean, I, you know, I don't know whether oh, or not. Yeah, right. sure. Oh, yeah, it
0: is cool. No, listen, they're definitely the cool factor, man. Yeah. I, I can go for that. Yeah. But I mean, if, that, if that's it, I can right. the cool. It's cool. I made part of this. Yeah. <laughs> I but, made the handle.
1: The interesting <laughs> thing is actually to get into. There's a, there's a culture online associated with this phenomenon. And to understand about this, this kind of, you know, the, the, the mechanics and the smithing and all the mm-hmm. things that go into it. I've put to you periodically that to have this kind of eclectic knowledge as of my ability to grow food and various other things, even if it's not actually no, utilized absolutely. is, is good knowledge. No, to I have. agree with you.
0: You know, my uh, getting, you know, overseeing the manufacture of my, the, the, uh, keyboard. You know I, I see as quite an ability, yeah you know to hi, find locate, hire two people to manufacture something that never existed before and end up after a few months with the thing just what I was looking for yeah you know but it's a different process to actually do it yourself. Well no, well, no, I know it's all different, but I'm just saying is there are these skills that are that are good. To yeah. have, in yeah. and of themselves. Yeah, there's a lot of skills, not just those two. There's lots of skills.
1: Yes, yes. No, I, it's just an interesting thought process. I'm particularly good with because-
0: physical stuff. I can pick that stuff up fast, but I don't have any experience with it, but I know I'd be good at it, you know, mm. so I'd be a, a quick study.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think probably the bit of knowledge that I still need that one, one of my brothers has to... Is associated with uh, internal combustion engines. I understand steam engines, and I, you know, if I through this machining, probably I could manufacture a simple, you know, steam engine. Yeah. Right. But it is an interesting process that I'm just trying to gather together some skills that you know may or may not be applicable in the future. But it's still good skills. Well,
0: to- being able to deal
1: with machining and making stuff of any nature,
0: yeah. and being able to do that with precision uh is a valuable skill yes you know i mean that's
1: uh, our civilization rests on stuff like that it's interesting that you use the term rests those circumstances because these things i mean if you look at the way i mean i'm i'm in a classic californian you know built of cardboard and sticks apartment and when you look at the manufacturing that went into actually producing this versus the You know, the construction methods that have been historically used in building homes. It is interesting, actually, (laughs) that we are, you know, de-skilling ourselves fundamentally in order to construct these things going forward. You think about kind of modern cars, computerized cars, versus even cars of the 1970s and 1980s. I mean, there's a lot of skills that are being lost through modern manufacturing methods. It's, well, of course, there's no need for them anymore. I'm not sure if you watch the Apple propaganda, but they have a new uh, commercial associated with their Mac Pro. I think they call Mac Pros the Mac. Pro, oh, machines, the new one, yeah, right. The, the desktop machines, the yeah, disk right. things. Yeah, that they're actually made in America, and they well, have actually or less, well, or sort of. <laughs> no, actually, I mean they've they have in the, this commercial them assembling it from the raw aluminum. Doing yeah. the soldering. I mean, most of well, it is yeah. robotically done. Yeah, of But course. the claim is that it is it's all done in, done in America. This country. Though.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the chips are being manufactured again, but but yeah, they're doing the most of it. They're building it here. Yes. Mm.
1: So the chips might actually be being
0: built. Well, maybe. It. Okay. I yeah. I don't know.
1: Whatever. I don't see. I don't really see what the big deal is, though. My That's point just political is political bullshit. Well, to a certain extent, I've always thought that a population. And, I mean, one of the things that inspired me about this country, although, you know, it's probably 1950s propaganda, (laughs) is the notion that actually at some time people actually knew how to do stuff in this country.
0: Well, yeah, yeah. Listen, yeah, a 100 years ago, it was a, a different world. That's not this world. Even 50 years ago. Even 50, yeah, up to World War II, really. I think you can talk about World War II as the change. Before World War II, World War II, and after World War II and And the world um yeah, that I think is the big divide, isn't it?
1: Well, in the nineteen fifties there was manufacturing being done here I think manufacturing no, actually i'm talking I'm just talking about a new
0: world uh, there was a, a different world emerged after world war two uh well, certainly business became before world war two you know w- was it was just a different world I mean the mentality, the way people thought about it, it always amazes me to go and look at like 1930s and 1940s movies.
1: Yeah, certainly. It,
0: you know, and I look at those, and I cannot relate to the, be- the behavior that I see in these movies. These people, the way they act, the way they talk, what appears to be the motive, you know, it's just none of it makes any sense at all to me. It's just like, it's like watching an old movie.
1: <laughs> Funnily enough.
0: You know, uh, it, it's, uh, and yet apparently at the time, it was very involving and motivating by by those people so i you know i don't yeah i don't know i think the next generation
1: the 1980s maybe even the 1990s will feel like that
0: well yeah well it's it's yeah obviously this these process is accelerating so but i i think that 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 the world war ii was was really uh, i mean one of the major these other ones are just like a whole series of cascading things but it I don't know. That's just my analysis. I think World War II can be seen, you know, a thousand years from now when we divide history up into various epochs. I think World War II, the atomic, maybe that's the atomic weapon. Maybe that's what it really is. I don't know. But we'll see that the world fundamentally changed after
1: World War II. Well, I mean, that's my feeling as well, but I was indoctrinated very heavily by people of your generation to think that. I don't know (laughs) if that's actually...
2: Oh, what's the truth?
1: I mean, it's what I believe. It can't possibly be a fundamental. It can't be a fundamental.
0: All it is 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 an idea. It's just an idea, a way of thinking about it. A fundamental truth has nothing to do with this domain. It's just a way of thinking. It may turn out to be a really fruitful way of thinking. It may turn out that, yeah, that was it. You can see really clearly now in 2500. You can see that back then everything changed after that. We can't see that now. It's just the story, and maybe in the future they'll see. Actually, it was the invention of the pill that changed everything. That that was the real significant turning point in the course of history. Well, and until the, AIDS came along. Um, AIDS nah, was just a little blip in the thing. The it wasn't pill. A little blip everything. in my
1: thing, Aaron. It was my t- well, everybody Definition. Yeah, I know. I know, but I mean, well, in any case. It didn't really change all that much, <laughs> well, maybe not for your generation, but it certainly changed my generation, so well, well no, I'm sure uh, anyway, uh, all I'm saying is I think it's
0: just it's just my story that's all mm-hmm.
1: I think World War two the ability to say World War two repeatedly has become the new sobriety test for uh <laughs> <That's
0: right. laughs> World war two very yeah, good, good, Aaron. good
1: one <laughs> yes I can say World War
0: two <laughs>
1: <laughs> you will never hear this audio though, and that's the problem you're in fact if you went back and listened to this you would get the joke out of it but, but would I realize that I can't say World War two I think you you would realize this in very short order.
0: Really, I'll have to listen to me saying World War Two because, uh God, it sounds perfectly normal to me. God, am I that fucked up?
1: I don't think you're that fucked up, but it's sufficiently comical that I'll just leave it really? In there. Really?
0: World War Two, yeah. World War Two, World War 2
1: You're convincing oh, yourself that you can say it, which is a good thing. Well, no, well, no.
0: I, what I'm going to do is go back and listen to this. Yeah. Tomorrow, I think you know, and then good. we'll see what I think.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm, I could bet money that you will not actually do this, Heron, but... How, how, You're No, uh, you can bet now
0: that we've gone this far, you can bet that I am going to listen to it.
1: Okay, well, that will be the bet then that <laughs> we will start the next show. <laughs> <laughs> okay,
0: all right. You got a deal. It's been
1: a pleasure as always. Have a good evening.
0: Okay, bye. See
1: ya.